0: March 28th, 1999, audiences failed to flock to Ed TV, too ahead of its time to capitalize on the attractive famous Nobody era. You couldn't get Every Morning by Sugar Ray out of your head, and the cadre of evil scientists who created it made sure of that. The Melissa Worm infected the internet, so that's probably how all that porn got on the family computer, Mom. Meanwhile, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the and Stone Cold Steve Austin clashed for the WWF Championship at WrestleMania 15. I love the chicken! This is Helena's cell phone. Uh, the number one movie of the week was forces of nature the sandra bullock ben affleck vehicle in its third week in release i can't imagine something like that in its third week today staying at the top
1: do they even still make movies like that i mean i know right now they don't make movies yeah movies don't exist (laughs) In the before times, though, like just a few months ago, did they keep making movies like Forces of Nature? It feels like there was like a very specific moment in time where every film was like called something like this. And they all had like the exact same uh, woman leaning on a man in a very literal fashion as the poster. Am I right? Or is this just like... uh, Oh, you're definitely right. Natalie
0: um, Natalie had Sweet Home Alabama on... Throughout most of the day last weekend, like it was on several times, and it turns it seems like every time I looked at the t v it was on a different point, so I think now I've seen that movie, but in like a very pulp fiction kind of jumbled kind of way,
1: yeah, I feel like the same but way with didn't that we movie. all watch-
0: didn't we also watch that movie together did we I've never seen it before.
2: I thought for one of our
0: um our non no uh, no no no, no 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 holidays you're thinking of the family stone, oh. <laughs> Which which I again I will watch that movie anytime. Anytime at all.
1: Spectacular garbage. I love it so much. It is it is just like if you want to just like chew glass, you watch the Family Stone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm angry, I need to put this anger somewhere. Uh
2: I, I think to to get to your to your you know, to get to your initial uh I guess hypothesis, I think all those movies are like not in theaters. They just get bought by Netflix now, like they just
0: show up. That's true. <laughs> They're That's delivered
2: true. straight to our rooms.
0: The algorithm is putting it Johnny mnemonically right into your brain. You can yeah. see the poster in your head.
2: Like maybe I don't know. Uh, do you think Last Christmas is like falls into that category,
1: or is that yes.
2: a little too arch? I think holiday okay.
1: films are, are like a sub. I think there's definitely is like a subgenre on here that also includes things like Saving Christmas, I think, is a film that also fits this category. Uh, but I, I do think there's Christmas ones as like a subgenre of this bigger genre of like, uh, you know, uh, not new young love. <laughs> <laughs> not new young love. <laughs> Basically, the Hallmark Channel
0: has a, a monopoly on this right now.
1: Yeah, it's like a, it's like a romantic comedy. It's, it's the romantic comedies uh, that are lighter on comedy. It's just a romantic. <laughs> um, the Dow Jones hit ten
0: thousand for the first time on this day in two thousand or nineteen ninety nine, and also no. uh, Futurama. Yeah, I'm skipping right over Futurama premiered the first episode of that. And I like to think that I'm going to embrace my inner hedonism bot as soon as quarantine has been lifted. Huh. Yeah, I
2: need, to, I need to finish Futurama. I, like, uh, I was going through it. It's such a good show. Mm-hmm.
1: It, it's really good. I, I also fell off. Cause I feel like when things start, same with community. It's like when shows are like jumping channels at a certain point, I'm just like, huh, what, what? Now you're online? Wait, what's happening? I'm like, okay, Boomer, I can't. <laughs> I can't. Is yeah. that Futurama, I, like, lost track of it? I was like, wait, you're on Comedy Central, and now you're on TBS, and it's, like, it's all over the place. And so uh, I also, like, lost the very last few seasons. But, man, it, it was consistently good wherever I dropped off. Yeah. The last show I,
2: I remember uh, switching formats for was, like, Battlestar Galactica when they had, like, the the web series that was, like, supposed to be between seasons two and three or something. And I was like, well, I've got to f- see what I missed.
0: Uh, it was insane, but um, you know what? I'm glad I committed to it. Natalie's actually agreed to watch Battlestar Galactica over, uh, and while well, we're we're stuck inside, and I haven't capitalized on that yet. Oh man, do it!
2: I mean, there's a lot. You and ha- you probably should look up the order of everything, but uh, yeah, do it all right well we, anyway yeah. we're definitely gonna crack the
0: two-hour mark with this <laughs> beginning welcome to another episode of hell at a cell phone the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the attitude era of wwe 20 years later i'm your host aaron benoit join with me i our wrestling historian bobby hankinson
1: hello hello hello
0: and eric silber Happy to be on the podcast, the length of
2: the silent treatment I get when I spend two hours on a beautiful day
0: holed up in my room recording a podcast. (laughs) Hey, we'll get right to it then. Uh, This is our WrestleMania 15 episode, so um, we're going to get to most of what happened on the Raws. In the meantime, just a few things of note.
1: Public Enemy made their debut. Did you remember these guys, Bobby? Vaguely. Not much. But again, I just remember this as like, you know, there's just waves of uh, it felt very 90s. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Johnny Grunge and Flyboy Rocco,
0: um, some ECW transplants. Uh, Draws is feuding with Steve Blackman. So, lucky you guys don't have to worry about that one. Although I do need to say, Bobby, in an earlier episode, we were talking about how the kendo stick got imported into WWF. And while Sandman was doing this in ECW already, Steve Blackman and Draws was the first kendo stick match in the WWF. Huh. Good to know. Uh, there's a grainy footage of a house with cleavage written on the mailbox. So you know what's coming there, Bobby, I think.
1: I don't know if I do.
0: You know? Oh, oh I do. Oh, yes, yeah. I
1: do. Yes, I do. I was like, wait a minute. Uh, I, I understand now. Yes, that I do for sure. It's a
0: rebranding of somebody that we've seen
1: before that we'll yep. be getting vignettes of in the coming weeks. A lot and... of I have a lot of um, sexual feelings about it, but we'll continue. We'll <laughs> so I'll save that. I'm very confused. Okay. But
0: you shouldn't be confused about this. On March 22nd, we had the most iconic moment. Whenever they do like the top moments in Raw history, this is always at number one. Stone Cold Steve Austin runs into a beer delivery man outside of the arena and offers him tickets to the show. That's at least how it starts. Then, after a lengthy promo from the corporation where all the uh, the cast of characters leading up to WrestleMania made their little appearances, Steve Austin drove the beer truck into the arena and sprayed down Vince McMahon, Shane McMahon, and The Rock. Eric, how did you feel yeah. about this?
2: Oh, man. Uh, there's a, First of all, there was a lot, right? Because I didn't realize that Shane was a European champion. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we'll cover that later. Um, the whole idea of, like, Shane having a street fight, and they're talking about how a street fight is Shane's world. I was like, that's kind (laughs) of funny. (laughs) Uh, I I assume they're doing, they mean that ironically. Um, I mean, here, the thing is, just prior to Austin driving that truck into the arena, we got some amazing amazing promos right mm-hmm. like we have a perfect promo from the rock it's just so good he's just he he hits all the hits he's, right he's, he knows he's, how he's to f- got
0: the formula at this point you you, you throw in a yeah. rudy poo you throw a monkey ass in there you throw a candy ass in there I'm not sure what the jabroni difference drive. between a monkey ass and a candy ass is yep and you take it all home and jabroni drive
2: yeah um you know he yeah he he's got it he knows how to do it uh, then mankind comes out uh he's he's like he's made his own ref shirt and you know he also and I, I basically wrote as mankind is talking I'm like this is a clinic on promos also uh Vince McMahon had a really good promo like all three of them are just delivering 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 and I remember and then I wrote like right right when mankind was was talking I was like, Imagine Seth Rollins trying to cut in on this. Like, mm. just, you know what I mean? Like imagine imagine the guys who like are, you know, rightfully superstars today, mm-hmm. but just, you know, don't don't operate at the same level. Like the superstars who do, just don't operate at the same level as the superstars from that year. Uh it's just it's just insane. And, uh, you know, right after I thought about that, I see austin comes in with the silver bullet truck and to me it's like it's very indicative of exactly what's what like how austin's um performance level is dropping for me you know how his star is kind of in decline at least with with respect to what he's actually delivering because like he didn't even have anything to to fucking... You know, he, he couldn't cut a promo on them. Like, all he did... All he could do was get a bigger truck. And this truck had a toy. And, like, now he can hose... The- First of all, what beer trucks have a hose? Why would they ever have a hose on a beer truck? Is that how you get beer out of a beer truck? Is it just a big, swishing cargo? Makes no sense to me.
0: Sure. In a world where you can't... Have joy, I guess. Oh, did you want me to love that? Oh, I it. Yes, I
2: wanted you to love that. I, I don't know. I like it's fun to watch him get hosed down, uh. But like, it just it feels like he he. It feels like Austin needs a crutch in these things. Like I loved all, a lot of the other stuff, uh. But I don't know. Like I just if it feels like first of all the. Uh, the WWF at some point made some sort of sponsorship deal with Coors because that became, like, the official brand of Vince McMahon uh, ruining his $3,000 suits. And it just, I don't know. I, I like, it, it didn't strike me at, like, that part of it was fine, but it, I wasn't like, oh, man, Steve Austin's a badass. I was just like, oh, it's another fucking... Thing he's doing instead of like being clever,
1: but I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on it? I mean, I kind of had an opposite reaction to you. I, I, I like I think the promos, of course, before it were good, but I don't remember anything about them of, of real substance. Everyone was delivering what they're supposed to do, and they were strong promos. But like when I think back to the segment, even when Aaron uh, first told you know it was this gave us the timestamps, I'm like, what was the full twenty minutes of this segment? Because all I remember is the last you know two minutes. And all anyone remembers yeah. is the last two minutes. And I think the, la- the big takeaway is just those last two minutes. That's why that's the only part that's ever in the highlight reel. So I was like, what is the rest of this 20 minutes? So I've actually thought, well, the rest of the promos 100% agreed. They're, you know, the rock and mankind never hold a microphone and gold doesn't come out of their mouth. However, I think we're looking at a very narrow definition of promo. Of like to us, we're like, well, promo is when they put together really clever wordplay and they deliver a sort of soliloquy, and it's like all very like there's dramatic irony. Like we have all of these things that we look for that I think speak to a lot to our personal taste, but I think also uh, what our truth uh, does this weird pretty ricky thing. That's also a promo, and like when uh, you know Kane just like smashes through people, intros matches, matches and picks up and put them down. It's not technically what we might call the promo, but that's like a segment in character development. I think with with Austin, the beer truck is, the the medium is the message. The beer truck is the promo. And it is, yes, absurd and heightened. Uh, but at this point, I'm still buying into the heightening they're doing. And I'm like, okay, okay, this, we're, we're hitting sort of the, the jumping the shark moment because uh, we're hitting sort of, I mean, absolutely absurd. But that was pretty fun. And I think watching, especially Vince McMahon, just... Flop around like an actual fish out of water was I mean, as much mm-hmm. as we, we shit on the guy, he does perform the hell out of everything he gives himself. vince's yes. selling here yeah. is what sells the entire segment. I agree.
2: And, yeah, it, I
1: you couldn't see this in any other form of entertainment. It just doesn't work anywhere else. It's just it's so specific and bizarre that it it became canon. You know what I mean? It came like yes. In in this world, beer is delivered in a truck with a hose. And this is, this is actually how beverages are sold in this world um, among giants. Steve requires beer to be directly from the, a fire hose on the side of a truck. Yeah, it all tracks. But like, that's the rule now of this universe because it became this thing where, like, of course, of course, they, they have enough clearance in the backstage of this arena to drive a full 18-wheeler, like, all the way down a ramp into the middle because there's so many applications for that. Of course, they would consider it when, like, constructing an arena. <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, at the at the Coors bottling plant, they actually when the when the sirens go off, they all slide down the pole and jump on the Coors truck. They're uh, they've got some guys like, you know, like pulling on their jackets as they're riding out on ladder number 37.
1: (laughs) See, I believe that world that I I, that is that's the world. This story does truly exist in the factory workers. They're essential. And this is what they're doing.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I get, I, you make a good point. I Here's, I guess, my only counter to that is, like, could you, I, I mean, when I think about it, is Steve Austin integral to that part of the promo? Like, is that, if, if anybody else drove a, like, if Mankind decided to drive a Coors truck in and spray them with a hose, would that have gone over just as well?
1: I don't think so. No. I, really? I, I, I do think there's something like it's the beer truck. It's how he got the beer truck. It's this like this moment where he is on top of the world. And Vince has all this power inside the WWF, but outside Austin has all of this power. And it is sort of like a story beat that only he can pull. I mean, like Austin is never going to win a war of words. Like he's not going to win Punderdome against the rock ever. He's not that sort of like erudite uh, literate sort of promo literary wow by the way by the way yeah yeah it's not the
2: first not the first time punderdome is going to get mentioned on this episode
1: (laughs) (laughs) austin's ever going to be the sort of like literary promo in the way that like you could justify giving the rock like a mark twain prize for humor the austin's never like that it's about passion and it's about sort of being like the roadrunner wiley coyote outsmarting his antagonist in, in increasingly more elaborate ways Uh, that I think is sort of a a, a specific Austin strength that I don't think necessarily translates directly to any other superstar, though it it is uh, ripe for parody and reinterpretation. I don't think that anyone could just deliver it the same way because of that, because Austin's sort of like clever like a a snake, you know what I mean, (laughs) or whatever, clever like a rattlesnake sort of uh, bit where this sort of cartoony heightening of problem solving fits his character.
0: Yeah, and as cartoony as this is, if it's somebody like mankind, I think you need to go even like more cartoony almost. Like like, like a would have to drive like Yeah <laughs> or, ah, with a hose. With a hose. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Hook up the spider nozzle.
2: I mean, yeah, I like I, I Mankind is a bad example because that's the thing. Mankind is so um he, he's such an he's he's got such a singular gimmick that if you give him something like this, of course he has that, like it wouldn't make sense for him. But like, I'm just, I'm maybe not even going with, going with another big, big, big superstar doesn't make any sense. I'd, I was the, maybe like more like a mid Carter. If you had like, you know, any of the fucking jabronis who were kind of like, uh, futzing around in mid card, like if you had road dog doing this, you know, obviously there's a history of, of Austin with beer, where he's associated with beer but like you know the idea of like driving a big truck in or whatever i mean i like that's i guess i guess that's the thing it's like it has often just become like synonymous with like heavy machinery and and beer is
0: that it maybe i guess i think that's There's definitely part of it. it yeah because um cultivating this blue collar image i mean he's the one who's behind the wheel of the truck there he's not letting somebody else drive it down for him i think that um that we see him doing enough of the he's the one who's operating the uh the cement mixer he's the one who's driving the zamboni so i think that there's we buy it with him in a way that we wouldn't buy it with other people all right
2: all right i'll it's something for me to think about i mean i i bet i bet um uh, uh, Bob Holly could potentially, I could see him in a role similar to that. And, and but, you know, that's also because Bob Holly is a is an Austin type almost.
0: And and but you're right, Eric. I think that if anybody drives a truck into the arena, it's gonna get a pop because it's something unexpected. But this is so unexpected, even with austin's previous run-ins this is still reeks of fresh and new and it hasn't gotten into that area area of uh cartoonish parody for austin that even austin will eventually wander into for himself it skirts the line for sure but again with the the world that they've built there it works
2: yeah um and also you know i also should acknowledge that we are part of a collapsed timeline right now so you know in my world Uh, every time I see Austin, it's like, uh, cement truck, uh, Zamboni, like, and so when I see the guy, like, I don't know, was I, how was I supposed to, like, as a, as a fresh viewer, how, how do you think I'm supposed to view him with the, like, seeing the, the truck driver outside, like, is it, is it something where it's like, Oh, it's coming. It's coming or is it like supposed to be a big surprise?
0: Um, I think of it more as as laying seeds for the surprise that's to come. I'd say the latter. So, you think it you think it's supposed to you
2: think I, uh I'm supposed to be like, "Oh my god, like he actually got the truck?" like as opposed to, you know, it to me, the truck was like it was immediately like Chekhov's gun for me, right, like it was oh like, yeah okay yeah, and and the I fact it's gonna happen, and
0: the fact that I told you to watch this particular segment, you're definitely your 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 senses are more keen to watch for something, I would say, yeah, okay, but you think
2: but like you know no one you know I guess there must be a bunch of raws where this stuff doesn't happen, so to see a truck come in, okay.
0: And definitely at this time, you know, we weren't as sophisticated viewers. I was thinking um, as I was watching this whole pay-per-view about how much I didn't like The Rock this time and how so many of these 1999 viewers are so much smarter than me for for realizing what he's doing, where I was feeding more into that Mark mentality of, oh, man, fuck this guy, The Rock. He's so cocky. I want Stone Cold to come and knock that smile off his face. Right. By the way, I I uh, I noticed that um
2: Austin has started to like get a little uh, gumped. Uh he's he's been he's been throwing in and that's all I've got to say about that. In his- <laughs> in his uh promos and i was like oh i don't know i guess <laughs> it just feels a little too close to when forrest gump was actually out that i'm like ah, all right i guess i guess you can make it cool again it's like it michael only, jordan bringing back the hitler
0: mustache it only took him five years to uh to get it into his act <laughs> all right um so should we get to the actual show
2: itself sure yeah for sure oh what just one other note by the way just because i've it's like the first RAW I've seen in a while, mm-hmm. like the most recent one. Uh, I don't like it, it suddenly occurred to me when I was watching the RAW that like when you look at the crowd with all of the signs, it looks like when you've got like a website up and you've disabled your pop up blocker. <laughs> it's just ever it's just garbage everywhere. Like all of these like little windows that you have to X out of. It's the Melissa worm.
0: Yes. All right. Now we can move on. Sorry. WrestleMania 15, starting off with a performance of America the Beautiful by
1: Boys to Men in Philadelphia, their hometown. I want to know who dressed Boys to Men for this because it seemed like <laughs> they were not all on the same page. Um, and first, <laughs> as, as you guys know, I'm not one to recognize any sporting logos. And so I was like, wait a minute, why is there a fidget spinner on that guy's sweatshirt? Is he <laughs> ahead of his time? Uh, there was another one who was dressed all in leather, kind of like someone from the village people. And then wait, 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 like wait, on, wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, wait. What? sorry
0: sorry bobby sorry Bobby. so the the logo on there was like the 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 insert that you put in a record so that you could play it on like the smaller thing you thought that that was a sports team logo wait i thought, I thought it was like a philly flyers sort of thing no 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 no, no. i think oh. that that must have been like one of boys to men's like personal
1: brands wow okay see wow um then one of them was dressed all in leather like the village people and then the last guy there was a guy that was just like very casual like just out of the gap like you know what i mean like very yes he had like a oatmeal colored turtleneck and light colored denim jeans and you're like what and like nothing made any sense they sounded beautiful uh but i don't know what the styling was happening here uh also i thought the the explosions and pyro were incredibly jarring and felt too close to boys to men (laughs) Yeah, no. I um, it's funny because like I was
2: watching, I was like watching as the the camera panned across boys to men, and I was like, I feel like is this their outfit every time they perform? Because I feel like I've seen the guy in the turtleneck with the with the jeans, like that's his look. Um, and I wasn't sure if like, oh, maybe this is just like the, you know, it's like Ronald McDonald. They all, they have like everybody has in their closet like just eight different outfits of the same
0: one. I like to think they only have one of the turtlenecks and they give it to whichever member is the most
1: chilly in the auditorium. <laughs> <laughs> I do like him making the point of like, no, guys, I'm the oatmeal turtleneck one. That's it. You're the sexy one. You're the one with a good voice. And I'm the one who has the turtleneck. It's like, that's that's my character. That's my gimmick.
0: <laughs> I do. Like, I have no idea the names of any of the boys to men. So I do have them written out as jacket, leather vest, gold chain and sweater. <laughs> Well, there's boy, there's Z, <laughs> uh, there's two, and then there's men. Oh, it's like a Hootie and the Blowfish thing. Yes. There's nothing like a good WrestleMania intro.
2: Mm. Yes. Holy shit. So much it's a, it's a
0: very good monologue. I love it.
1: This is really uh this is a producer David Sahadi is the one who did all of these uh sort of intros he was he's been with the company for a while but this is just like something he does particularly well Is he's like legend um of the time sort of he was good friends with freddie blassie and that's why the ones that all feature him usually are david sahadi joints um and they're fucking fantastic
0: it's like the johnny cash hurt video like the predecessor of that
1: <laughs> yes totally 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 yes
2: Um, the, just the phrase, the showcase of the immortals, uh, they do a very good job of like tapping into this idea that like the WWE isn't, isn't, doesn't consist of people, but it consists of like avatars. Like they are, they are all of the, like the, the minor and major arcana of our universe. There's the, there's the, gothic lifestyle deity and there's the like uh southern justice deity and all of these other ones but you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. it's like they do a really good job of making it just kind of be like oh you know like these guys are not just you know silly performers they are embodiments of things of or of concepts
0: yeah and he finds he finds a lot of ways to say that the same way but sound, like, cool every single time. Yeah. Um, also,
2: got I got to hand it to them. They really upped the production value in general. Like, usually you get something that's, like, really fantastic, like this intro, and then it's like, now brought to you by Clearasil. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh- <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised because the lead-up on Raw to this was heavily featuring uh, crunchy M&Ms, and I thought it was going to lead Bobby down
1: his uh, I hate the new M&Ms hole. I, it, and honestly, I couldn't I couldn't believe that they were happening. That, that I did react watching this. Like, I can't believe like, this is when it started. This was the beginning of the end. We used to just have regular peanut and peanut butter. That's all we needed. That's all we needed. Now Wait, we have- peanut butter is definitely new. No, but it's not that new. I think Peanut Butter has been around longer because it had it was a, com- a competitor with Reese's Pieces, which are superior in every way. But yes. uh, that was Eminem trying to cash in on that sweet, sweet Reese's Pieces money.
0: But I, it's not too long before this, and this is 21 years ago. You guys are really
2: like working hard to take exactly my slammy away. I, I might as well just say what I was gonna say, which was I didn't. It's the I didn't know you could drink slammy to crispy M and M's, which are I didn't realize they were twenty one years old. It's it's amazing how like like little by little you just like dissected. It was like both of you guys were like Ken Shamrock on my slammy, just like figuring
0: out the pain points and just like stretching it out until i submitted well because that i think is a real sign of age is that i think of as Bobby. i don't even include peanut butter in there though peanut and original are the two m&ms and every other kind of m m is a new m m even if it's I'll over 20 that. years old same same i'll accept same.
1: that i'll accept that but yeah. like fuck it's, it, a, it's kind of they have like What's soft that? caramel. They have like white chocolate. I, there's like a a coffee bean one. It's like it's unbelievable. I saw. I swear to God, there's like a wasabi one out there somewhere that's like out Aww. there that I just refuse. I refuse. Mint, coconut, and I've tried them all, and they're not good. They're not <laughs> yeah. good. Pretzel. Fuck them. God, I'm so mad. <laughs> I, I, want... I,
2: I feel like I, f- I feel like we're a meme. Like want to feel old? <laughs> M&Ms are crispy now. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's amazing that that like touched on on a nerve for all of us. Like I yeah, you're you're totally right. Like I still see different like color packaging of M&Ms and I'm like what the fuck is this? Like w- stop it, guys. Yeah,
0: and what like, what comes in the purple bag of M&Ms? M&M bags should be dark the darkest brown ever or <laughs> or yellow.
1: Yeah, that's it. Honestly, a brown so brown that it's really black unless you have it in certain light. Like yes. that's that's what I. That's what I want. And do you guys remember? I remember very vividly when we all voted on the new color of the M M&M, and M. When they made the blue M and M, which was very controversial because we were losing the brown M M&M, and M, uh, and it was between pink and purple. The tan M and M, M&M, wasn't it?
0: Wasn't the oh, tan M and M?
1: That's correct. That you're right. You're right. You're right. The tan M M&M. and M. But that even that felt like. What are you doing? What? Are you, what? What? <laughs> yeah. Why? Why must we do I this?
0: Know. But the blue M and M did do- taste better once they came out.
1: It's that
2: is true. Did I ever tell you guys about what my, like, when I was a child, I was, like, really particular about what M&M's I wanted to eat. And my dad made me close my eyes and do a taste test of M&M's to prove to me that I was a fucking idiot. You needed, like, he was you needed, like,
0: a, you needed enough brown M&M's to fill a brandy glass or Ozzy wouldn't go on stage? <laughs> right, my writer. Uh, listen, it's just, a, it's
2: about protecting my staff. It's not about uh, the actual M&M's. Uh, but yeah, no, my dad, yeah, like that. My dad was like intent on proving to me that M and M's don't have different colors. But also, I've had to like argue with my dad about why soap actually does something. I've so, to say like
1: this feels like it's a you're, you're, you're saying this like what a unique, weird, tangential memory. When it's like what a what an absolutely formative memory to your entire yes. way of being and living, Eric Silver. <laughs>
0: I'm guessing. You... Oh no no no
2: wait no. I think this is. I think it's more of like it's yes it's about me as well, but it's also a pattern of his behavior, which yeah, yeah, is yeah. like oh yeah no no no. Yes. I'm
0: guessing. I'm guessing you have a list somewhere of the number of times that your dad tried to prove you wrong about something to make you a real man when you were growing up.
1: Yeah, with like just a, just oh, the right my... amount of light cruelty, just light cruelty.
2: <laughs> yeah, or or it's not necessarily like prove me wrong to to like I don't know, but but like. Just trying to like like making weird uh, associations with things. Like he used to he used to say that like if I if I couldn't remember to turn off the light downstairs, how could I remember to put gas in the car? And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like he was trying he was trying to use like my habits with turning on and off lights with like with like whether or not he could trust me to drive a car. And I'm like, what? <laughs> well, my actor yeah. Eric. <laughs>
0: What's that?
1: It's so a lot to unpack there, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, my parents podcast. trusted me very
0: much, but it's the rest of the world that they didn't trust.
2: Ooh. Right. Well, that's the same as as uh, Bobby, right? Where you had, to, they didn't trust Bobby not to get uh, kidnapped.
1: No, my parents didn't trust me or the world. So,
0: uh... <laughs> <laughs> this one's just right. <laughs> I swear at some point we'll get to the first match of WrestleMania. Oh, man. (laughs) Brought to you by StrideX. But then they also had, like, the spinning gold film wheel behind as though this was
1: was the Oscars. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. The movie town, Philadelphia, (laughs) Pennsylvania, where stars are made. (laughs) The real Hollywood.
0: Rocky and M. Night Shyamalan in a few months, probably. Right, we're at Pat's Cheesesteak Theater for the premiere <laughs> of... All right. Um, the first match is the uh, the Hardcore Championship. Al Snow versus Hardcore Collie versus Hardcore Champion Billy Gunn. So I need what? to ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 so, so in the Raws on the lead up here, Billy Gunn is is completely established within the Intercontinental title picture. Road Dogg, when he left for rehab, was the hardcore champion. And when he comes back, firmly establishes himself within the hardcore picture. What the fuck are they doing here, Bobby?
1: Nope, no idea. Uh, and not that I didn't ask, (laughs) not that I didn't look and even, they asked Bruce Pritchard directly on the episode about this pay-per-view and he's like, I don't know, just a swerve man. I, I, I don't know. They were just doing, and this is peak, this is the first WrestleMania that Vince Russo is the head writer, um, I believe. And so like he, this is like peak Vince Russo shit. This is when they literally are calling it crash TV and they're just like basically week to week throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. So there's not like a there's not like a very good justification we can find that's like, oh well he was too injured for this one match where they had to move the angle forward so they switched. It was just kinda like, I don't know, let's throw a road dog in the IC picture and see what happens. Uh what, one of the one of the best examples of that in the lead up to this and we'll
0: talk a little bit about what's going on with JR later on in the episode but JR and Dr. Death are at the TK, TKE frat house, and all of a sudden, Hardcore Holly just like busts in and starts having a hardcore match with Dr. Death on the March 22nd episode of Raw. That kind of sounds cool, the way you put it. Yeah. <laughs> a- abstractly,
2: I would be like, oh, yeah, that sounds great, but, you know, <laughs> it's, it's all about the delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, I am... Listen, I think it's very progressive of WWF to think of asthma as hardcore. You know, it's like,
1: uh, you know, if you think about it, you're
2: like breathing only half as much as other people.
1: I miss the hardcore title and the hardcore designation of a match because every time someone says hardcore, I just think of that Robin lyric from Indestructible. Where it says, <laughs> this is hardcore. And every time I watch like a hockey stick break over someone's head, that's like all that's playing in my head. <laughs>
0: oh my god you need to do like a uh early 2000s anime video except it's robin with uh
1: pictures from the hardcore title i love that let's do it i don't know i wish that that's the second like i wish i had artistic skills uh, i did i had this weekend i also had another one yesterday that uh i wanted to do a series of norman rockwell style plates depicting famous scenes in the real housewives uh <laughs> It might be a good time ah. to tell you guys this is the first weekend I'm back to smoking spliffs. <laughs> nice. Good work. Feels are apt. You, okay. Are you a painter, Bobby? No, and but if I was, if that's the project I was like, wait, can I commission someone to do that? Is that how that works? Then am I officially like a, a designer? What's happening? Uh and then I fell asleep for a little bit. Huh. This is like
2: you're the Andy Warhol of all this.
1: Yes, where's my factory? <laughs>
2: Um, I have to say I really love the way that Al Snow uses a hockey stick. Like, he's been doing it a couple times, but every time he, I, uh, he every time he pulls out like a long pole of some sort, Whoa. uh he goes straight into what's <laughs> he, he goes straight, goes straight into in, He go he goes straight into I was gonna say his his Casey Jones impersonation. Oh. It's great. <laughs> I love
0: it. Um I didn't love this match, though, and I was ready nah. to love this match, and I thought starting out, oh, wow, it's really smart for them to start with the Hardcore Championship. That's always so high energy. There's that, that, the chaos behind it, but it was, I don't know, I, I guess it was too tame for what I expected from these three guys on the biggest show in the opening match.
1: I think what I'm realizing is I like Hardcore matches best when they're as far from wrestling as possible. So I like him out of the ring, I like him backstage, I like him out by the in the river. Like I like them not Yeah, Philadelphia near has a river. Ring. Come on. But it just feels like I think also triple threat is tough because like the way of a rhythm of a triple threat match like it requires a lot of rest and it requires a lot of like technical wrestling to be able to you know, use the psychology enough to isolate a man and blah, 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 ba. And so I kind of think like that also doesn't fare well. And it also, it feels like for this match, they only went for pinfalls in the ring, which also doesn't feel very hardcore. So like, that's the kind of stuff that I think for me, I like the hardcore matches when they lean the most into the hardcore element and they get away from the ring, get away from the ring ropes, get away from the, the anything that reminds me of a traditional wrestling match. Because when it's just a, a wrestling match with a couple gimmicked weapons, it just felt kind of cheesy.
2: Uh, it's funny. Cause I, wow. I mean, you guys make a lot of sense, but I think when I was watching this, I, I think I wasn't necessarily like comparing it to the, like, I, I didn't have the the high expectations of a hardcore match in general in my mind. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, like when I see the hardcore matches, I'm like, Oh, these are fun, but I haven't, they they haven't been ingrained in me with this idea of like, Oh, this is what a hardcore match should be. You know what I mean? So what, when I was watching this, I like the thing I did, I noticed at least was to me it like this was the most I think it this was at least the to me the best booked triple threat match that I've seen because I feel like and again this might be recency bias or whatever but or might might just be that there were good performers but I feel like the other times that I've seen a triple threat match I was just like this is bad and it, and like the way that they are uh, as as you're kind of saying, the way that they're resting and the way that they're isolating, it was like it just didn't make any sense. And I think, like, to me at least, this match to date was like it showed that they're getting a little bit better at it, at least in terms of maybe not in the hardcore aspect of it, but at least in terms of the triple threat aspect of it. Like, it shows that it. shows it showed to me at least that they're getting better at, like, managing three people in a match i'll buy i'll buy
0: that and i think we'll see later on in the show um during the four-way match how they're still like ironing out a lot of the kinks that there was a lot of flow to this but i think to bobby's point with with a hardcore match you've got an opportunity to like really take a lot of time kind of like selling that you're beating the shit out of one of the competitors leave them in like a bloody pulp and then give them time to heal and all of a sudden oh shit this person came back from this near like inch of their life beating in order to win I think that's where a lot of the drama comes in and I think that's a a huge missed opportunity in this match yeah no I I I totally get that next up we had D'Lo Brown and Test versus Jeff and Owen is that another what right there Boy,
1: what I mean, I mean, I know what happened because yeah. I watched the you know yeah. they they recapped it and kind of told us how we got to this point, but woo wee man, how shitty does the tag division have to be to be like I don't know you two, <laughs> I guess like yikes woof, yeah. So wait, how did D'Lo get matched
0: up with Test on the pre-show on on um Sunday Night Heat before WrestleMania? They had a battle royal where it was like tons of competitors and um. But the the idea was the last two competitors in the ring are going to be made into a tag team that will challenge Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart for the belt later that night.
2: (laughs) You guys are now a tag team, and you're going to go on a great run. So good luck. (laughs) like. Well,
0: yeah, it's like it it just it's it's like we're going to have we're going to have a basketball tournament, a a one on one basketball tournament. And the five guys who score the most points are going to have to go against the 96 Bulls.
2: Yeah, it's just it's just kind of like, you know, like you're actively disrespecting the idea of a tag team division. If you're just like, look, any two guys, you just give me the last two guys in this big match. They can go on a great run like. The whole point of a tag team is that it's not two individual
0: wrestlers. It's wrestlers who have chemistry and work well together. Right. And, and yes. And, and I I understand the point here is that test being so young doesn't really have chemistry with anybody, But he's also a big, huge dude that has gotten a a pretty big push to the forefront and is going to continue to receive a push. So to pair him with three guys who know this business very well and do their movesets very, very well is smart if you want to get him on your biggest show. Just don't think we need Tess on the biggest show in this much of
1: a forefront. We certainly don't need test Tank Top, which says guns don't kill people. Oh, I kill people. I do. Which yep. is a I, little I was... too much attitude for me.
2: <laughs> I was wondering if he got that from Brian Pillman's estate. <laughs> yai,
1: yai,
0: yikes. And then Ivory came out with a big ass band aid on her face where I guess
1: Marlena burned her with a cigar at one point. Sure. Great look. As I told uh, Aaron via text yesterday, uh, I think it's super fucked up. That they're leaning on uh, Marlena's history as an arsonist to tell stories <laughs> now. <laughs> that's going to make little, a l- little joke there. A little, just kidding. A little joke. A reference to our previous episode. I know. Uh, actually, our our, our next episode. That's oh, actually you'll, ah, that's going to make
0: a lot what? of sense when you listen to our next week's episode that we recorded yesterday.
1: Oh right! God damn it! Time is hard. <laughs>
2: Wait, wait, was Marlena an arsonist? Oh, right, got it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, I, remember I, what we, I remember our discussions. I feel like this bit's really going to work. <laughs> uh, My questions in this match, so I, uh, you explained it, so I had, where is Mark Henry? I guess doesn't matter, they just want to push tests. Uh, I, I, I think also, Mark Hendry's
1: also, he's also, I believe, injured right now. We're getting over, like, okay. Lincoln, he, having some kind of knee surgery. I think there's some sort of uh, something to actually address a, a medical issue, I believe. He was written yeah. off. It was heartbreak.
0: Um, he was written off with, with a uh, guitar shot to the knee by the Owen, last by Jeff Jarrett. Was that the last um,
1: pay-per-view or was that on the Ross? I, no, it was the pay-per-view and it was Owen who hit him in the knee, I believe. Yeah. Uh, that we yeah. had watched. Because I remember I was annoyed that Owen walked, like, in front of the referee with the guitar and didn't get caught. That's right. Like, yep. Yeah. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah. yep. Okay.
0: Um, but um, wow, we've gone this far without addressing Deborah.
1: I was just say, did she rob a magician's assistant on her way to the ring? <laughs> I have in my notes. Wait, I have in my notes. Deborah rolled down a flight of stairs so Zelina Vega could run. <laughs> <laughs> Deborah
0: is Deborah is wearing a bikini with dangling jewels and like chains chains of jewels right and then
1: like the like uh fucking hugh jackman's jacket from the greatest showman yep tails full tails i had written down that deborah looks like she's wearing a silver bikini that then was adorned by one of those tattoos that ryan ashley does on ink master (laughs) like lots of ornate beading and chains hanging off like everything is suddenly a chandelier
2: her hair, a- uh, Sergeant Deborah's Lonely Hearts Club Band.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Her hair looks impeccable, though. Like, finally, yeah, I mean, edgy- that? every <laughs> strand is is like pinned down within an inch of its life. She can focus on only one thing. It's either going to be the outfit or it's going
2: to be the the hair. So this time, the hair gets the get gets the time.
1: I one point. Grease. Debra, uh, the king goes, I'll give Debra anything she wants. I wrote down, give her a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. That's all there's to talk about here, though. I mean, this match.
2: Yeah, like, also, again, who's the face in this this match?
1: D-Lo. Like, you've got J-Lo? D-Lo? Yeah. D-Lo, Debra? I mean, like, people pop for Debra, which is also weird because they love Debra but hate Jared Noen, So the whole thing is like, huh? Yeah. Uh, also, why did PMS come out?
0: Is Aaron, it just because they're like, oh, they're fighting have...
1: <laughs> with Ivory? That, is, is it because PMS was fighting with Ivory? Is that why they come down?
0: PMS is a little bit like amorphous. Just they, they still are are mad at DLo for um, exposing a fake pregnancy that we'll go into at a later date. But uh, again, it's it's not worth think. It was probably because oh, we want to give these guys a, a moment on WrestleMania.
1: All right. I mean, the match, the the match, the wrestling in the match isn't bad, but it, like it's the whole, like you said, there's the the, the heel dynamic is all off uh I, I thought the squabbling between Test and dilo was just like grating. It was like, come on, you guys. There's no reason with you guys with no history hate each other so much you can't work together for this one WrestleMania match and your chance to like win the belt to make money and have prestige, which we believe is supposed to be like the driving motivation for everything happening on this television screen. So it's very it, the whole thing is like didn't stand up a scrutiny, and I feel like even Test trash talk was like wrong like he was like yelling at Delo for helping him and i'm like ah, i just i can't follow anybody's motivation here everyone's just yelling
0: well the whole motivation at the end was that ivory got into it with deborah and then test like came down to help ivory because he thought that ivory couldn't handle deborah has he looked at deborah has he seen deborah deborah can't
2: handle deborah <laughs> but... <laughs> Like, like they, like she, ha- she's in a custody hearing every week for herself. Like she's, just, they're like, we don't know. We, we might have to give you to some foster parents.
1: Deborah is the embodiment of Britney Spears Instagram lately. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they have very similar styling. Very similar styling.
2: Yeah, we need to call valet protective services. <laughs>
0: But oh, anyway,
1: so what's coming up next. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, right? But anyway, uh, <laughs> Tess text, text is
0: distracted. Um, Owen goes off the top rope, and Jeff Jarrett is able to roll him up to get the, the pin and the win and keep their titles. By the way, in, in that first match, it, it ended with um, Bob Holly winning and getting back the hardcore championship. I think we skipped over that.
1: Yeah, I didn't think anybody cared. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, but no, but... But the hardcore title is in a better place around hardcore Holly's waist than around Billy Gunn's waist. It's in the name. Yeah. <laughs> hardcore Billy Gunn. Alright. Um so Ugh. next mm. up oh. in, in the Brawl for All Encore, we're given oh. Butterbean versus Bart Gun.
1: Oh god. Take it away, Poppy. <laughs> I don't wanna I hate it so I everything about this yeah I, I just there's like i I just feel like I was pummeled with experiences during this next segment of i I mean there was a lot of pummeling, I guess, but uh, where do you even begin with this? I mean, I guess first and foremost, bark looks hot, okay, he yes. got a haircut, he looks really good, he's cleaned up, he's jacked up, he just looks good, uh so hot barkun is definitely in here um they showed a photo before the package or within the midst of the package. You know, the sort of, like, uh, you know, the the, the promo photo of, like, the two still photos, like, this one versus this one with the logo of the pay-per-view in the back. I don't know what you would call that. The promo photo. But it looks like they used, like, an outtake from Butterbean's cell phone from a selfie he didn't meet. (laughs) Like, he wouldn't have posted. Like, he wasn't looking at the camera. His face isn't doing anything discernible. He's kind of hunched over It's out of focus. Go back and look at it because it was truly so bizarre that I can't wait to put it on television. Everything about this is bad. They're calling Bart the Hammer. Bart the Hammer Gun. What? Uh, you already have a gimmick. Bart Gun's not your real name. You can't have a nickname <laughs> inside your fake name. If you're gonna do that, then, use your real fucking name. Then it'd be real blank. The hammer blank or whatever. Fuck that. It's so stupid. Um. Then the or, whole thing. Or where they're or, like, or fucking
0: Bart the machine gun. Bro, oh my God! Oh, yes, that makes more sense. that's
2: good. Like,
1: <laughs> where did the hammer even come from? What actually? Is you know,
0: there is a
2: there is a hammer on a gun. It's the isn't it the hammer that clicks? Right? So no, no Eric, do
1: them. not do this work for them. They do not deserve <laughs> it. Then it should be Bart the gun hammer. <laughs> I hate this. And the <laughs> promo where they're like, oh, I think Bart Gunn has a good chance. I think Bart Gunn's going to knock him out in the first round. I think Bart Gunn's going to beat the shit out of Butterbean. That was, like, they didn't even give anybody on the Butterbean side a chance to be like, no, guys, truly, Bart, Butterbean's going to kill this man. They're like, nope, Bart Gun all the way. It's like, oh, no. Oh, yeah, no. The worst was someone was like, I think it's going to go be
0: go to a decision, but it's going to go to Bart Gun.
1: Wow. Oh. Wow. wow, the match the, the the match whatever it lasted less than the time it took them to prepare the ring for this match. Oh god, yes. Like the intro was they the,
2: the, when you look on WWE Network, like there's whole sections for the
0: intros. <laughs> and
2: then there's like like 30 seconds for
0: the actual match. The San Diego Chicken lasted longer in the ring with Vinny Pesce <laughs> than this match was. <laughs>
1: Wow. 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 Um, wow. This was bad. This was so bad. and It was so funny. Cause it was like, I literally just, my notes just have giant LOLs written all over them. Because I was like, what is, this is so stupid. Oh my, I hope you're all so embarrassed. Uh, I hope everyone that thought this was a good idea was thoroughly shown what a horrible idea it was when Butterbean just basically knocked Bargon the fuck out in about 35 seconds. Had a knockdown, followed by a very quick, He Bargon got it back up eventually and then was immediately knocked out. I mean, shit. I mean, Butterbean just walloped the fuck out of him and he was dead. I think, I think Luller at one point said, he should go for a takedown. <laughs> I was like, come on. <laughs>
2: fuck off and- i liked
1: uh michael cole going take nothing away from bart gun it's like take everything away from bart Gunn. take it all away this is dumb take it you away you can start with the nickname get yeah, rid of the nickname away, take away the hammer just don't take away that haircut it's a it's a glow up and and they did take everything
0: away from bart gun who they spent far too long far too many months on this brawl for all tournament but managed to come out with holy shit Bart Gunn is a legitimate badass who can knock you out with one punch and instantly any credibility Bart Gunn had as a serious competitor within the WWF is gone well it also i mean like imagine imagine being
2: butterbean which is a a weird um Visualization for all of us. Anytime, actually,
0: anytime I look in the mirror, I just see Butterbean, but I've got a good, big case of body dysmorphia. So, same, same.
1: I'm just a hairier Butterbean.
2: (laughs) But like, just imagine being like you are an extremely accomplished boxer, like a professional Eh, boxer.
1: Let's. I think I, I, I. Something I picked up in this that Butterbean because um, obviously I don't know anything about boxing, Butterbean was still, yeah. like, even at this time, like, he was working constantly and winning constantly, but he was never going to be, like, the pay-per-view. Like, no one thought he'd be fighting Mike Tyson anytime soon. Like, he well, was sort of like a side, but, side, but, side yeah. like a, what's like it a side show. Yeah. Um, sort of Like a sideshow. Yeah. That's fine. but of like a goof but, boxer, yeah. a little bit. Like, he's kind of the Harlem Globetrotters of boxing, I want to say, something like well, that? Is well, that right? Yeah,
0: the, no, the thing about Butterbean is if Butterbean could come out and if, if you could withstand like the first like minute and a half, he was going to get gassed. So that's why they he tended to to be in more of like these tough man competitions where you could just go in, beat the shit out of guys in like a few minutes, and then collect your paycheck. That makes
2: sense. Uh, the Brock Lesnar move, if you th- if you will. Yeah, <laughs>
0: this
2: is the same um, dude. No
0: this is the same dude who was on Jackass the movie, beating the shit out of Johnny Knoxville. Oh, mm-hmm. Butterbean did, yeah.
2: Huh. I, I but that. no, but I guess what I'm saying is like, just like, just being in the professional world of boxing for any amount of time, you know, for a, a, enough amount of a time to make a name for yourself, to to make to be able to, you know, cross platforms, and then being told that some jerk off is gonna probably like, you know, hang can hang with you. In uh, in a, in an actual boxing match, like I would be annoyed. I'd be like, "Fuck you, dude!" Like, mm-hmm. what you you beat up a bunch of like amateur boxers and you think you can fucking step in the ring with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, you know, like fuck this. I like I would I would just be like, "You're a fucking punk," you know. He like it's almost like annoying that Bark Gun got up one more time after the first hit. He should have just gone down the first one and and taken it like a man. Like, fuck you. I don't know. It just it's like.
0: No, no, you're uh, the. I, no, you're right. It's like if if I were to like somehow manage to stay on a skateboard for more than thirty seconds, and then went up to Tony Hawk and was like, "Let's go."
2: Yeah, it's just kind of like it's disrespectful. Oh my God, like, yes, it's 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 disrespectful to the to what another person has accomplished. Like mm-hmm. you, you know, you don't have uh, people from like Master Chef going on Top Chef. It's like there's there's two levels of competition going on, right? Like Top Chef is for James Beard winners and people who are have have worked in the restaurant business all their life. Master Chef is for people who are, you know, good at cooking at home. Mm-hmm. We don't have to talk yeah. about this anymore, too. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, by the way, why did Lawler say uh, don't bring up Doctor Death during that during this part? At one point there. The commentators are talking, and some, and I think Lawler basically said, like, oh, don't bring up Dr. Death. Is that, is that because they're acknowledging that Dr. Death is just was a fucking flop in the brawl for we'll,
0: all? Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later when we get into uh, some stuff with JR. Ooh, okay. All right. Um, but I'm guessing you might have some questions seeing that uh, Mick Foley is wrestling Paul White for the right to be the referee in the main event and not in the main event itself. Uh not only
2: did I have questions, I literally had to bring up the the previous the raw that we just spoke about in another tab because I was like what the fuck is happening? Like in the in the promo that we spoke about, the whole point was that um in that raw, I believe
0: was it rock and rock versus mankind for the right to be the referee of the main event of stone cold versus the big show, which we were getting later on in the evening.
2: Yes. Yes. This is why it's so confusing. So they were like, it was a match to, for the right to be the the referee in the main event. Right. Mm -hmm. And then this is another fucking match for the right to be a referee in a different main event, but it's like the same people. And you just, it's just, uh, you just, you know, throw them in a bag, shake it up and pull out some the, the you know, pull out four names again and then, you know, you can find every permutation. Soon it will be uh mankind versus stone cold to be the uh to be the ref in the main event beca- between
0: Rock and and Paul White. I don't know. Actually, I think that is a thing that happens at some point. See? <laughs> <laughs> um so is it just that the that there's so few people in like the main event picture, or you mean what's my issue yeah.
2: with it? Um, it's just the the refer the the special referee thing is is just like it's confusing as hell. Especially, I mean, I guess because we're watching the raw and then we watch this, mm-hmm. it's like the you know. It it's adding one extra layer of like, oh, you don't understand how built up this match is gonna be. This this match is so big that even that we even have to have a match to decide who the is gonna be. Gotcha. Like got you. you know, we're gonna have a, a timekeeper match to figure out who can ring the bell.
0: Like it's like, all right, guys. Um, so to just to go back a little bit and set this match up for, for what it is, uh February fifteenth, the night after the St. Valentine's Day massacre, there's one more match, a ladder match for the WWF championship, kind of like uh, we weren't able to get to a decision last night. We, we both got counted out, so we've got one more t- going at it one more time. Um, during the match, Paul White comes out and chokeslams Mankind off of the ladder. Rock goes up and gets the championship. Mankind kind of immediately vacates his way from the title picture. And it it makes sense. I mean, Stone Cold versus The Rock is the money match at WrestleMania. Um, It doesn't make sense to do Austin-Mankind, considering how they're both faces and they're both kind of a similar type of face for the audience right now. So Mankind kind of gets into this, I'm going to be the referee mode. Um, after it's announced that Paul White is going to be the referee for that match. And so it's giving him something to do and it get a lot of fun with like the him making his own shirts, him spray painting the ref shirt on Mr. Sacco and things like that. But I guess it's more just kind of, well, we don't really know what else to do with mankind, but he is one of our top three most overstars. we got to do something. Yeah, no, I mean, I really liked referee Sacco. I thought that was awesome. And so for this match, we've got Paul White versus Mankind. Um, We're starting to hear him being referred to as the Big Show after they'd referred to him as Big Nasty for most of uh, the run-up. So they're still trying to figure out exactly what they're going to be labeling him as. Um, I think this match is okay, and that's about all I can muster for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm bummed. I mean, it's just like, I I just can't help but be sad for Mick Foley, is all. I was just like, whatever coming off, like, such a strong few months and such a great story to kind of be an afterthought here is, feels like a bummer. Even though, you know, I think they obviously tried to keep him involved in the main event. And I think they're trying to keep a spotlight on him and, and like, show respect for his work. I mean, if you're not in the, you either are the main event at WrestleMania or you're not. And you kind of get the sense that, you know, it must have sucked to be not considering coming off with some of the best work of his career.
2: Yeah. Um yeah, I mean it was I feel like if Kane is a is a great example of how you build a monster, um Big Show is a great example of how you, I don't know, just like have a guy show up. He's being built sort of as like a dumb monster. Like he doesn't he he hasn't quite like accomplished whatever he set out to accomplish yeah. in the last couple times I've seen him. Yeah, and the two big- very
1: weird. Go ahead.
0: No, uh, you're right. It's very weird because on the two biggest stages that we've seen him so far, he screws up on his like one job that he has. He manages to get the, the title yeah. on the rock, which is what he was supposed to do. But he kept Austin in the main event of WrestleMania and then here because he feels the need to chokeslam uh, Mick Foley into two chairs when he obviously has the match won. He's again
1: shown as an incompetent. But then I have my notes. Uh, very Lenny of mice and men. <laughs> is what <I> get from <laughs> the big show. Yeah.
2: Um. Oh well. One thing I wanted to just mention. There was one spot that I thought was really interesting from a technical perspective, though it was basically Big Show had mankind like piggybacking on him, and then Big Show just jumps up and lands on his back. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Um I was trying to figure out like I, I was trying to kind of like put my mind my head in the space of like the announcer from Secrets of Wrestling and be like you think that hurts you fucking dummy? Mm-hmm. But like I do think that hurts. I don't mm-hmm. know how you I'm not I'm trying to figure out how you um hold back on that so that uh man you know so that Mick isn't getting the brunt of Paul White's weight on him.
0: Yeah, how are you, how do you take like 300 pounds of force. Uh, being yeah, how do you take yeah. that bump?
1: Yeah. I think you just do. Was it just a stiff bump? I'd have to go back and watch it, but I imagine that there's also the way to do it. You're pretty much like you're landing on, you try to land on your tailbone first. So that's what's getting the most, or like your lower back. Yeah. Like you kind of like fall on your butt mostly. Like when you, you think like, basically, you do a Samoan drop. So Paul, uh, Paul White would be
0: falling on his butt more, or, yes, or man. But, okay. but that
1: also, uh, so, uh, well, but they end up with both. But that would be the idea is that Paul White, instead of landing most of his weight on that, would sort of land most of his own personal weight onto the mat first. Uh, right. Instead of landing flat
2: up. on your back, exactly. instead of landing flat on your back, you, you land, you almost, it's almost like uh, you're landing in a sitting position and then you right. lean back.
1: Right. So you kind of like, it's a little bit of disrupting the force there, but this, I, I can't remember now off the top of my head, if the, he might've just jumped and actually taken this, the hard, this, taken it the hard way. Cause also Mick Foley is one to do that.
2: Yeah, I, it looked like it did. I was, I mean, I'd have to go back and rewatch it, but like, I was like, ah, that didn't look like, it It didn't look the same way that like a tombstone looks
1: where you're like, yeah. okay, we, you can, I can see the knees hitting the ground first. And I think even though she is um, notorious for injuring people she's working with, I think Nia Jax is also someone who does a move, who does similar versions of this move often in her arsenal, which I think, and you could see a lot more uh, how she softens the blow.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: Okay. I don't really have anything else to say about this match other than it's setting up for uh, a little bit of friction within the corporation. Vince comes out, berates the big show for getting disqualified, um, slaps him and winds up getting a big, right as a result and mankind gets pulled off in a stretcher.
1: I really hated the Vince hit here, especially after just seeing Butterbean literally knocks him out and they can see what a real punch looks like, Mm -hmm. like in this context, then watching that fucking cartoon, uh, like bullshit that Big Show did to McMahon, which was like it's like he wound up first, like he wound up his fist, like it was that's what it felt like. And then Mr. McMahon had like stars and birds flying over <laughs> his head, like it was <laughs> so. I was like, that looks so cheesy after just seeing a legit punch. Yeah. Also,
2: it this whole postscript felt very much like a raw. It didn't. It didn't feel like pay per view quality or Wrestle, especially WrestleMania quality. It felt like it was like we're uh, we're just having a little vignette to move the story along. It felt very, you know,
1: mid-weeks. That's, very, that's a very astute observation. I think that's something that comes through a lot in these matches, where a lot of these don't feel like culminations of big things. They feel like uh, a step in a longer journey, which is like not what we're accustomed to WrestleMania being. It's not just another pay-per-view. It's supposed to be like the end of a road, um, and then things are going to start anew after this. It's supposed to be like a big finale, and this one, in lots of ways, doesn't feel like that. Not all, but in a lot of them. Okay, Uh, next up we have the Intercontinental
0: title with Val Venus versus Goldust versus Ken Shamrock versus Road Dog.
1: Okay, can we just take a minute here to acknowledge, okay, the four men in this match? You have uh, Road Dog yelling, suck it. You have the uh, porn star with the giant dick. You have queer coated Goldust. And then you have hot as hell Ken Shamrock. This is like that John Cusack movie Identity of the inside of Bobby as a horny teen's mind. <laughs>
2: Very good setup. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Um, this was batshit, and I kind of enjoyed it after seeing a lot of non-wrestling, I feel like, for the night. I kind of I, I kind of was um, vibing this, even though it's got its flaws.
2: I mean, there was so much to be confused about. I did not understand... The um, unconventional family that that uh, Gold Dust and Blue Meanie and uh, Ryan, Shamrock. Ryan Shamrock formed. What was going on there? I don't understand how this happened.
1: Uh, well, a family could look uh, like anything.
0: First off, yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, Gold Dust is, the, is the mommy. Even. Blue Meanie is the baby, and then Ryan Shamrock is the man who's swooping in. I guess. Sure.
2: Sure. Mm.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I don't uh, know. I got
2: nothing. I I haven't checked in on their drama in a while, so uh, I have no idea, you know, why Blue Meanie and Goldust are, you know, now friends.
0: I don't have a date, but there's, um, like, a a cut to commercial during one of the Raws where Goldust and Ryan Shamrock are furiously making out with each other with Blue Meanie, like, sitting across from them in the room crying.
2: Oh, Blue Meanie in real life is probably is like the most cucked person ever, right? Like that's that's like he's like a professional cuck. Like he he just shows up in different rooms and sits in the corner and cries. I'm a professional cuck. My business card. <laughs> <laughs> Hello ladies and the men who fuck them.
1: I don't understand why this was a tag match. I hated that element to it. It was very oh, confusing. God, I always hate that. I
2: I don't, and I don't understand the point of the, you can tag anyone. Why?
0: Why would anybody tag anyone? What, like, doesn't add anything to it. And I really like the idea of, like, a Fatal 4-Way elimination match where part of the drama revs up from seeing people get eliminated along the way. But when you do the two-person count out, then it so, robs you of that.
1: Yeah, it yep. just was very, yeah, I hated that as well.
2: Um, also, I, I guess it took a lot of, it took this weird match, but I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm enjoying road dogs wrestling style. Uh, he's doing a lot of like, you know, his, like his shimmying and, and, you know, the, the soft shoeing he's doing. I'm like, Oh, this is fun. It's fun to watch. I mean, or with, you know, with like a bunch of wrestlers that I'm not that interested in watching wrestle. It was, it was fun watching road dog kind of like
1: have that spark of excitement and flair to his move. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. Rudo's kind of finding his style of his own now, and I think the hard his his stint with the hardcore helped that too. He's a little bit more of a brawler, and also like a little bit of of like a, a showman. I think kind of is the model of like future folks like Enzo, um, not in always, Uh, but at Hmm. least in like (laughs) ring, ring style and presentation. He's a character guy. And I think that's what makes this match good, even though it's kind of like poorly laid out and like stupidly set up because the four guys in it are good and are very different styles. But I think they all sort of really work together and play off each other. And they, I think did pretty well considering all of the, the dumb framework they were operating within.
0: Yeah. I'm not going to go so far as to call this match good, but um, also I, I, pretty sure that there are only two matches in this entire show that I would call good matches. Agreed. I agree with that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll have to think back about them, but yeah. Uh, Val and Shamrock get counted out, leaving Goldust and Road Dog in the ring. Road Dog wins. Road dog is still the Intercontinental champion. Moving on. Yeah,
1: they all blame... Ryan Shamrock caused the the win there by accidentally interfering... Attempting, it looked like, to interfere and trip the Road Dogg, but tripping Goldust by accident. That's how Road Dogg gets the win. And then there's just, like, a lot... There's just too much, But like, being mad at Ryan Shamrock afterwards. Like, Blue Meanie and Goldust is, like, screaming at her the whole way up the ramp to the point where I'm like, all right, all right, enough. She's dead. Give it up. (laughs) Enough. It was was a lot. Uh, And then a whole lot of Big Show is trying to get stuffed
0: into a police car outside.
2: Uh, wasn't Well, the police he car? was telling the cops. <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was an unmarked car,
1: no divider, no cuffs. I was like, "What is this kind of arrest? What kind of what's happening here? Why is he getting that Honda Civic? What's going on?" We get I was waiting you for get... Paul White to tell him that
2: uh, tell him that about all the things he does for the children. <laughs> we don't want to
0: hear about any of that. Just get in this Ford Taurus and go to jail. God. <laughs> But yeah, I, I had a question. He said, how come when you get some money and a badge, you think you have some stroke? Oof. Is that
1: right? I don't. I don't. I The whole nothing made any sense here. And it was honestly hard to watch considering our current climate also at the same time. It yeah. was like a lot to get through this segment. Bobby, Oof. I, I yeah. forgot to ask you you beforehand, but
0: do you know anything about the big
1: show's background, like how he grew up? I don't, but I do know that he got actual a lot of liposuction be- between his WCW and his WWF um, debut.
0: Just because in in the Raw's leading up, I saw him in a bunch of Pele Pele, and then um, we'll talk about the Rage Party where he's wearing a Fubu shirt. So a lot of like streetwear. I'm just kind of not sure what they're selling as far as his bra- background
1: is. Oh, I don't think anything, but I think that was just the style of the time. Hmm. I mean, like I feel like I had a Fubu shirt, which I know i would certainly not do again today but i do feel like i may have as a teenager don't hold me to that i may be confusing it with something else uh,
0: oh no when i when i saw paul white in his FUBU shirt i flashed back to college when i owned several rock t-shirts so
1: okay good okay he's currently okay i'm trying to see I'm, I'm pulling i'm checking the research department now yeah no he was just you know a uh an actual giant you know with the uh, <laughs> he had an endocrine system disease that made him six foot two by the age of 12. And, uh, otherwise he was, guess what? Playing basketball. (laughs) All right. Um, yeah, nothing of note there. Okay. Next
0: up, we had Kane versus triple H and to put another, um, uh, to, to, put another plug in there for an episode of raw on the March 1st episode, we had Kane versus stone cold, where if Kane lost, he and China would be fired, and it's a fun, awesome match between the two of them. But they didn't show on the Raw before this. Um, well, in, in, the past, in the past few weeks, um, Kane shot a fireball out of his hand that burned China's eye, and so she had a, um, a burned retina, is what they were selling. And then on the last episode before this, it was supposed to be Goldust versus Kane but it was Hunter in the gold dust outfit who pulls out like a flamethrower and shoots Kane in the yeah. face with it. Yeah. A lot of fire in this recap. Um, and then we started off with a callback to, was that Wrestle? must've been WrestleMania last year with Pete Rose and Kane and Pete Rose mm-hmm. comes out and it's the San Diego chicken to attack Kane because he used to be in the Phillies. Yep. <laughs>
1: yeah that,
2: a lot of a lot of uh san diego chicken stuff going on in pennsylvania
0: and i have no notes about this match until china shows up
1: i don't know about you guys okay i have a couple uh i liked kane's plancha that he did at one point um yes. that was fun to see i liked how triple h attacked from the back but they still had his his pyro set up in the ring which i thought was a cool commitment to the to the surprise uh triple h has the nicest hair of anybody wrestling um and there was a sign there was a sign in the audience that said nogbert lives and i wanted to know what the thought is that goes into someone making that sign and hoping it gets on television and ultimately what is their goal uh and lastly uh kane's panty line i found very distracting and i think he should have uh, (laughs) worn different undergarments uh to be a little uh more discreet Eric you got it. We, we we could skip to the finish. But.
2: Yeah, um I don't know if uh if the plancha you mentioned is that the same as like the I have Kane backdrop on trip outside the ring was cool. Was that the same as the plancha basically?
1: No, the plancha was the diving through the through the ropes or over the ropes.
2: Oh, okay, okay. So there was a backdrop that he did that he did on Triple H outside the ring that I thought was cool. Um but yeah, I'm I, I you know, that's about it for me. Um I'm ready for it to talk about China's turn.
1: Well, it does. The one other thing I want to mention that I thought was weird about the match is that I felt like the heel and face dynamics were off. That's going to play out later, but as I was watching this in real time for this match, for what the story was at this beat, triple H was acting like a heel by sneaking in from the audience. That's like, that's heel behavior. The sort of weaponry and usage felt more healy. It felt it felt like Kane was the face, even though that wasn't in story what it should be. That was what they were giving, which I think makes a little bit more sense later. But watching this in real time, it it felt off. Mm-hmm. Mm. I thought.
0: No, that makes sense. So eventually, China makes her way down to the ring. She puts the steel steps into the ring. We're led to believe that she's there to help out Kane. But it turns out China hits Kane with a chair and rejoins Triple H. Super sweet. I like. It was really, really sweet
2: watching, like, like K, uh, Triple H like basically like was he like carrying her at one point?
1: Mm-hmm. At the she jumps into his arms. Yeah, she jumped into his arms. That was it. Was really, really. I, I liked it. Um, Michael Cole, I believe, says blood is thicker than money. And I was like, I mean, I I hate to go back to this well, but, (laughs) uh, I do think that the, uh, the, I, I don't know how that applies here. Are they brother and sister? Is that what he's saying? Like it's very this is the part that I was like now this is an interesting use of this phrase. Uh because what wait, what? And also that's not pos- nothing about it is right. So, uh just opening that up, uh if anybody want would care to agree with me only about the phraseology here
2: and the semantics. Listen, fam- families families have different types of looks, you know? Like uh the degeneration X family, the blood runs through all of them.
1: Well, yeah, they... also, you know, blood is thicker than money, which is why when you combine when you put blood and money together, the blood absorbs the money as it is thicker than the money, and not the <laughs> other way around.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, that's why actually we've been using blood as a currency for quite some time now, and it it's stores a lot better. more effective.
1: Well, yeah, that's yeah. why we have blood banks. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: wow! Is that the what third
1: Thunderdome reference we're gonna get? <laughs>
0: Might be, it might be. Backstage, we've got Vince McMahon who's uh, plotting for what's going to happen later on, and informs um, Chris Kelly, I think, that
1: I'm gonna be the
0: guest referee.
1: Well, because he has a referee shirt in his athletic bag. <laughs> <laughs> no gay bags for him no lady purses to be found only the most athletic of bags shall hold my referee shirt which keep in mind he does not wear a referee shirt later so where his referee shirt in his bag was i i I would like to know damn it bobby oh is that your slammy oh no I am the fucking I mean, Slammy a... Assassin
2: today,
0: y'all. The,
2: the Great Slammy Massacre of 2020.
0: <laughs> Vince McMahon co- says clearly, "I have a referee shirt in my bag," and then later in the night comes out in a sleeveless black tank top, in which nobody has ever worn to be a referee ever since the dawn of time. Listen, we've all been there. We've all been like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah."
2: I've I've got my suit ready for the for the event, and then you look and you're like, "Oh shit!" All like, there's a huge stain. I did not bring this to the dry cleaner. He, you know, he had to make a last minute substitution that that ref shirt just wasn't ready to be worn in front of, you know, such a huge crowd. And
0: black goes with everything.
2: Right. Actually, he was he underneath. He had a whole white shirt. So then together they formed the black and white of the ref.
0: Now, can we talk about the outfit that is in contention with Deborah's outfit earlier as the most insane thing that anyone wore tonight?
1: oh i assume you're talking about sable's pink scrunchie i'm kidding (laughs) but also we i did have to i cannot let that go she is dressed to the nine sable looks obviously she looks great she has her full gear it's very sexy it's obviously all together her hair is put together with a long braid all nice and like lots of attention to detail and yet they cap it off with a straight up like Dwayne reed pink hot pink scrunchie at the end that i just find unforgivable un forgivable that was her honestly the biggest teal move she pulled this entire night
2: <laughs> i mean though it's funny because yeah she you know all of it is very sexy and then she starts dancing and i'm like nope <laughs> none of this is sexy well wait wait what?
1: guys she, where do we talk about the rage party because i believe they showed the clips from the rage party before this right no before it's, this it's match. after so, this was it because i have in my uh are you okay I guess well, I had some They but. show
2: they show some of the clips of the rage of the rage party, but then I definitely watched the rage party after this, even though it takes place before this.
1: Well, if, I have in my notes a note about Big Punisher before the Sable stuff, so I'm not sure if they showed him. Yeah, but, no, they show they showed
0: Big Pun in, in the crowd there. Um the, the Rage Party. Oh, that's why he was in the crowd. Okay. We see the clips from the Rage Party after the Undertaker boss man match. If somebody or looked probably. at their show rundown, they would
1: I have I literally have it open in front of me. Sorry, but I'm scrolling in real time. <laughs> Sometimes I just don't understand things. It's not that I don't look at them.
0: <laughs> so yeah. So Sable uh, starts dancing and is immediately less sexy and starts talking and is immediately unsexy. This is for the women who want to be me and the men who come to see me. The same yeah, uh, cadence every single time that she utters that as though <sighs> she's just been practicing that and only that in front of the mirror for the last 14 days.
2: Yeah, Bobby Bobby on a previous episode mentioned one nine hundred okay face and like honestly I can't get it out of my head every time Sable shows up now. It's just Hello, are you a single in the area? <laughs> like, like
1: Jesus Christ, man. I mean, I know. I mean, I I get that she's a very pretty lady, but I can't believe all of the things she's not good at. Like, it's like she is arguably one of the top five most popular people in the industry. And yet she can't do one single thing. It it is bad. Oh, boy. And then uh, um,
0: and then Tori shows up and Michael Cole asks the question on all of our minds
1: what is she wearing? It's a hypercolor bodysuit. Well, apparently the story here is that Tori had some photos taken by a friend who's a photographer, I'm sure. Uh quote unquote. Um, the same way lots of the guys that DM me on Instagram are photographers. Anyway. <laughs> uh, what that she was wearing just body paint, not a suit covered in body paint, but just airbrush. So they're like sexy photos. Mm-hmm. And she was trying to get them published in penthouse. So that's what inspired this ring gear to be like sort of like a taste of what uh, that could have. What what else is in store? But it, it looks insane.
0: Well, I mean, it definitely looked like someone would look if they were just body painted, but except that body paint doesn't bunch up like fabric does. Right, and then Michael say, Cole says, "She looks like Catwoman." Who Michael cole has clearly never seen a Batman movie or a comic book in his life, because Sable... or a woman or a cat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, because Sable looks like Catwoman. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Sable literally looks like Catwoman uh tori looks like like tigra or like whatever uh the the, the what's the tigress tigress the what the wonder woman. no the well the, also that but oh. the, what's the wonder woman cheetah's um, wonder antagonist? woman yeah, yeah yeah
2: cheetah oh she i was like is like what's drawn on her is that the tree of life <laughs> <laughs> yikes
1: oh fuck everything well. about this was horrible and, oh
0: my god her and the blue meanies shop at the same mall kiosk where ahmed johnson got his airbrush shirt with his face on it uh. oh good god <laughs> and at one point michael cole goes sable
2: has turned into a tremendous in-ring wrestler and i'm like really <laughs> would you
0: like to give me some examples of this
2: Yikes. And yeah. they
0: even have to explain at the end it, that, it, that they didn't even have to do the Sable bomb oh. Oh. Right oh.
2: Oh. I mean like You can tell this is bad Because like I you know I think There was like a hint of Tori In that one of the Was it the last pay-per-view was that right I think uh, so yeah Yeah she was like the the, the Mysterious fan mm-hmm. yeah. Um And in three weeks, she's in WrestleMania or in four weeks or whatever. She's in WrestleMania. That's how bad the women's division is or how non-existent the women's division is, where it's like they brought in this person. And now she's now she's going for a title shot in WrestleMania after barely being around.
1: Well, it makes sense if you look around. Luna's gone yeah um sable and jackie have gone to that well so many times they're still establishing ivory
0: right with jackie Uh, being like the the biggest talent in the women's division right now is is uh stuck playing like mischief monster with
1: terry yeah i just think but i could also see the argument i don't know if they thought this through this much either but like feeding jacqueline to sable yet again Um, like, is that going to do, is that eventually, are they going to ruin Jacqueline forever if Sable, who is clearly so bad, just beats her every time? And like, to feed Jacqueline to her once again, that means nowhere down the road would, you know what I mean? It might be too hard for Jacqueline to come back. Mm -hmm. I would think. Well,
0: I don't, do they need, do they need to keep the belt on Sable right
1: now? I mean, I guess they do because. And Playboy is happening. Either it's either yeah was it out i don't think was it out yet or was it just oh, shot oh it was it's out?
0: out already we we got okay. uh on the raws on the lead up we got jerry lawler at the playboy mansion and you can uh you can it's guess just how that recently went. out then yeah then
1: it just like so that that's definitely why they're gonna within the, the, the past month yeah that's for sure why uh yeah this match was so i mean it was so bad and then we have the debut of nicole bass who was brought in. A couple of things happening outside. I can get, if you guys want some trivia, some women's yeah, division trivia from around this time. There's a lot of stuff happening. Uh the WWF had a like an all call to look for fitness models, martial, mixed martial artists and start women to maybe entertain the idea of doing their own kind of all women's uh show like Glow uh but an all women's show so they had an open call and one of the characters that came from that we're gonna meet down the road named victoria played by lisa marie something lisa marie vaughn i want to say uh who's awesome and we'll get to know not too long from now uh so that's happening there's a big sables in the doghouse with a lot of folks in the back because there was like an on-air interview with sable and china and deborah uh that was live and they went off script and they started fighting uh, China and Sable, not like physically fighting, but verbally fighting. And it spun off the rails where basically the host asked China, like, how come you're not the women's champion? And China's like, because I don't, I haven't tried. And if I tried, I would uh, destroy Sable because I'm obviously, Mm -hmm. and Sable's like, well, how do you know we've never wrestled? And China's like, well, because I'm twice as big as you. And then Sable's like, yeah, but what did you have to do to get twice as big as me? Meaning like, what did you put in your body? to make, you know, to make you twice as big, I think is actually what she said. And China was like, I don't know what you put in your body to look like you do. And like they started kind <laughs> of like going. So, and, it, and wow. basically they both were in trouble for it, but everyone sort of took China's side more and thought that she was acting at least more in character and didn't, but what you don't, you don't talk about injecting or putting things in your body in this industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's generally frowned upon. So I think it is further alienated Sable at a time when she was already super alienated. Um, so that's happening. Uh, and then Nicole Bass coming in. Nicole Bass uh, was famous for appearing on the Howard Stern show. And, you know, Vince Russo was famously a big um, fan of the Howard Stern show. So that's how Nicole Bass came out of the fold. She had been doing some work with ECW previously and had a bad reputation there. This is, um, I'm, I'm recapping a lot of Pretchard right now. Mm-hmm. Um, had a bad reputation there, apparently, and was engaged in a lawsuit with them, with ECW. And the, the rumor and out, out there was that. Uh, her husband, a former NYPD cop, was also uh, a drug dealer and was dealing all the drugs into ECW. Um, so, but Nicole Bass is brought in with no rest. She's has she's not good at anything. Also, not good in the ring or pro That or not, not really has a ton of experience. She's just huge, um, and they were bringing her in to either play Sable's bodyguard, a foil for China, or a, a, a trans uh, MMA fighter. M to F, Ugh. trans M F. So I'm glad at least they didn't go that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's who Nicole Bass is. She blows her spot in this by showing up too early um, and then also kind of like hanging around too long. Like just everything Everything she did was often bad. Um, but that's who she is and what she's doing here. I'm surprised that.
2: that Nicole Bass was uh, married to
1: Draws. <laughs> <Right. laughs> Pusher <laughs> man.
2: Pusher man. Again, come back next week and that'll make sense. Oh damn it! Oh well, man these these jokes. <laughs> we have some great got, callbacks, you, or as we call them, call forwards.
1: I can't wait for our uh, fans to sort of do like you know like the Star Wars cut, like the like they do like okay the fans have their order. You should watch it. in. I can't wait for the hell in the cell phone fans to be like, listen, you gotta actually listen to the episodes in this order if you want to get all the jokes. <laughs> all right, can we get to the first good uh, match of the night?
0: Yes, yeah. please. Okay, so backstage, DX is one big house
1: again with uh, The Return of China. And we've got Shane versus X-Pac. Triple H has a line in that promo where he says, it doesn't matter if you're the boss's son, which I find ironic. Because now, <laughs> he is the boss's yeah. son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shane is doing the thing where he's wearing
0: like the WWF jerseys as his ring gear. He's, he started by calling um, X-Pac X-Punk, and that has merged to X-Chump, which doesn't even make sense with the last name. But it's kind of like the the Simpsons, the two bad neighbors sign. Like, are you the X-Chump? Oh, no, no. It's the other guy that I'm fighting in the ring. Well, why are you wearing it on right. your shirt?
2: Uh, also, I guess Shane is going by Shane O'Mac now. This has started.
0: Yeah. Um, and also that's been introduced in the intervening weeks is the Mean Street Posse. Um, So good. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, this is great. Um, these are two actual friends of Shane McMahon growing up and one, um, wrestler who's, like, there to, like, do the actual stuff. And then just two other guys that just
1: kind of disappear from the group, if I'm remembering correctly. Yep. These are actually Shane's friends from growing up. It's literally his friends from growing up.
0: Yeah. Uh Rodney and Pete Gass are his two friends, and then Joey Abs is the third. But they do a bunch of like the the intro vignettes in the meantime where it talks about them like smashing mailboxes and beating up hobos and whatever else like sociopathic sons of millionaires do in Greenwich, Connecticut. Yeah, I mean their their outfits were amazing. That was uh that was high quality. It's a good troll. And Shane can go in this match. Yes. Like seeing him, seeing him jump over X-Pac is like, again, it's assisted, but it's legitimately impressive.
1: Shane isn't bad. I mean, he's learning on the job for sure, but he's, I mean, that's a reason why he's still doing mania. why he's like a mania attraction still to this day.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was like, you know, what we've seen of Shane up until this point has been he's just kind of like a weasel and doesn't really do much and and I was like, you know, very shocked that he held the title at all. But seeing him in this match like this is the you know, he's he's his heel work has really improved. He's gotten a lot better and he's taking bumps. Like he's taking the kind of bumps that will lead to the bumps that I, you know, that you hear about uh historically with Shane right which is like you know he's going to you know jump off the the TitanTron or whatever so like you know it's it's cool to see this part of him finally emerging because for a while I was like man the Shane that I know of now is very very different or was very very different from the Shane I was watching in these pay-per-views
0: And I think they're just doing a really good job treading the line between having him do enough that he has credibility being in the ring, but also needing the assist from everyone around him in order to to get to the heights, like having China's assist in order to get the European championship in the Raws that
1: lead up to it. I love this match. I thought yeah. it was like a fun, like, I cla- like the I liked the, uh, the actual wrestling. I like the story to it. I like how everything unfolded. I thought this was like a really great example of like, this is a good wrestling match. Like This is a match that shows you like what wrestling is. Mm-hmm. Like there's the athleticism to it and the give and take, but there was a lot of story and, it, and I, I liked it. I really liked it a lot. And, and this is, you know,
2: like when you talk about things that, that are like seemingly inconsequential or whatever, but wind up telling a story like and, and pushing and, and, really adding a whole new wrinkle to a story. This is a, a great example of it because I had been kind of like, uh, lulled into just being like, all right, this is a, you know, this is a fine match, whatever. Like I'm, I've never been a big X-Pac fan and, you know, Shane, I didn't think he really should be wrestling, but seeing, so seeing them go at it and I was like, okay, this is working. And then that, you know, that swerve is a, is a huge swerve, especially because if we're, you know, if we're keeping track right now, China's turned face and heel in one. It's like a she did a full 360 yep. in like mm-hmm. one pay per view. Yep, double. She had a double
1: turn, just kind of, which is yeah, pretty cool actually. And it, it kind of justifies Triple H's behavior a little bit more earlier. It's sort of like it makes sense that he was kind of acting a little bit more heelish. This has been like a an evolution. There's some shading there that I, I I appreciated now that at the time felt it, it was maybe I don't know if it was so intentional that maybe I'm giving them too much credit. But uh, yeah, I like I liked the swerving here. And it also moves Kane into a new position
0: where he's going to be a part of a, a pretty decent tag team going forward. That's going to help give that division a shot in the arm, too.
1: Yeah, completely agree. I mean. My my, if I had to make a complaint, it's that like I do, I wanted China to have a big baby face moment, and I prefer WrestleMania to end with baby face moments. And I know they all can end that way, but I would have liked that story to end on that note um, at this Mania, even if they turned the next night.
2: Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't get a lot of chance to like revel in it.
0: Yeah, I can get that, but I think that the way that they did it, everything
1: happened well. It happened for a reason. It was fun. I did laugh at two things when, you know, in the melee that follows after everything unfolds, when the outlaws hit the ring, Billy Gunn way overshoots sliding into the ring where he almost flies out the other end of the ring. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Billy Gunn, it's almost like you're too athletic. Uh, <laughs> and then very clearly to camera, Road Dog calls Triple H a jack off. And then he looks back at the camera and he goes, you heard me, a jack off. And I was like, God damn, I love the Attitude Era. <laughs> Do you, Bobby?
0: Because coming Uh, up next, we have the Undertaker versus the Big Boss Man inside Hell in a Cell. Boy, I have so many thoughts on
1: this. Jesus, I have so many thoughts on this. And I, you guys, of course, you know this is the match that my WWE network crapped out on, and I had to fucking go back and rewatch so much of it to get to the point I wanted to. I was so sorry. I was watching it at like five in the morning, and I was so fucking angry. I like, I truly thought I was gonna like smash my coffee table like the Hulk. Um, Watching it, (laughs) it was painful to watch. Um, just
2: just before we get into the Hell in the Cell match itself, the promos. Every time uh, Taker cuts a promo these days, where he's like he's directly addressing somebody he's going to wrestle, it's he really doesn't know how to sound like. He, he doesn't know how not to sound like a man who's talking to his romantic partner. <laughs> um, I own the key to your heart and your soul. Uh, <laughs> and then later in the rage party, it's like in 24 hours, you will meet your destiny. And I'm like, ah, you guys are getting married tomorrow? It's like love is blind. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the pod. <laughs> Yeah, like it's a real fun game to play. Like, it, like take anything that that uh, taker says and just like, you know what? for for our for our listeners, some of you have been sending us some videos. Send us a send us a video of you uh, repeating a taker promo, but like saying it to like eat like your loved one, your pet, whatever. But somebody that you have fond feelings for, and like tell me that this doesn't work word for word. <laughs>
0: um we're we've gotten a little bit more direction out of the undertaker in the ministry we know that he wants to take over the wwf we still don't know what that means or why but at least some of the directionless stuff is gone but it's still a huge mess that we'll get into more in depth at another time but um why is
1: this match so bad bobby Oh, Jesus. All right, well, before we get into that, I have to talk about how The Undertaker looks like Doc Antle from Tiger King with his hair, like, this way. (laughs) Like, they have a facial resemblance that is striking. Um, I did really like, actually, his entrance look. Yes. Uh, yes. Like the Hell Knight kind of thing. Yeah. It it, it, it gave me like big Mister Sinister energy from yeah, the X Men. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: It was also the wardrobe from Legion, that movie with uh,
1: Christopher Walken about the the Angel mm-hmm. War. Oof. All of um,
0: tracks, but I think all a couple, it's awesome.
1: But I think the reason why this match sucks is we're watching two. It's a heel versus heel match. Uh, so who are we invested in it doesn't feel like they have enough animosity to justify a Hell in a Cell match mm-hmm. and I think at this point because Hell in a Cell was still kind of a new gimmick we didn't really realize that how it has to be a blow off to something because mm-hmm. uh, without that it just feels like why I mean I, I, this I mean, this is widely widely considered the worst Hell in a Cell match of all time um, because it just the, the heat just isn't there uh, and the crowd just does not give a fucking shit the entire time. I mean, I I I literally like
2: as soon as I saw this, I wrote I have zero confidence this will exceed the previous Hell in a Cell, phone, uh, Hell in a Cell matches. Uh imagine the uh the hubris it takes to to see like the um Shawn Michaels and Undertaker Hell in a Cell match, then to see the Undertaker Mankind Hell in a Cell match, which specifically they tailored to be better than the Shawn Michaels Hell in a Cell, right? They were like, We need to like we saw what they did, we need to do even better. We need to go one step further. And they like crushed it. Even then took even and the be like, um,
0: sorry Eric even the the Kane Steve Austin first blood match inside Hell in a Cell was better. Like looking at that as well, still kind of fit that pattern of how we're we're the with what we expect from a Hell in a Cell match, right? Like like there's a lot of things that you expect,
2: and one thing you expect is to is to defy expectations, right? And like the like it's it's so um, it's so meaningful that there was that basically like they there was no action outside of the cage until an outside party came in, but you know what I mean? Like all the, the past two hell in a cell matches, like they, they go outside the cage, they go on top of the cage. This is every, this was just like vanilla, vanilla, vanilla bullshit.
1: Well, also like there's just too much gimmick here. You know, the undertaker is so much gimmick already on his own. It's a gimmick match they're using gimmicked yeah. cuffs. They're doing a gimmicked blade job. Like it's just gimmick on gimmick on gimmick on gimmick. There's just so much bullshit in it and then that doesn't even go into the fucking post-match shit yet. But this the match itself it was long. I can't believe this match was only like 10 minutes long. It felt like it was forever and granted I did have to rewatch some of it, but still what a plodding, joyless mess. Yeah. Was the was the
2: broke was the handcuffs that broke? Was that a botch or was it were they supposed to break?
1: Uh, they money, were supposed money, to break, but not at that moment. They were definitely yeah. rigged to break, but they broke too soon that it was stupid. <laughs> yes. Dumb. The whole thing was bad. Hated it. Hated it. And then should we go yeah, into so, uh, what
0: happened after? <sighs> oh my god, yes. Yes,
2: obviously we have to, because uh, my note... Oh my god. Go on.
1: Well, the Undertaker <laughs> wins. The Undertaker hits a tombstone on Bossman, pins him, it's over. Okay. Pick it up from there. So then the
0: brood drops from the ceiling, like are bungeed in like Mission Impossible. They break open part of the cage and lower a noose to the Undertaker,
1: who puts it around. Well, you say... You say lower down Mission Impossible, which I think makes me feel like they're going to be like on their bellies. And they're not. They're more sort of like holding on, like they're in sort of like a sexy swing, like Nicole Kidman in Moulin Rouge. That is, I think, a better touch point for how they are lowered (laughs) because they are holding on and sort of like sitting like a little sexy swing. Um, I would say that's all small note. That's all.
0: (laughs) Uh, No, I would agree. The the biggest touchstone in, in my memory is my very first concert. I saw New Kids on the Block at Lake Compounds in Connecticut, and for part of the show, they had Donnie in in a harness like this and are swinging him back and forth across the stage. Oh, ah. <laughs> <laughs> but the brood is lowered down, uh, lowered down like the twisted gymnasts that they are. They lower the noose down through the stage. Undertaker puts it around um, Boss Man's neck. Paul Bearer pushes the button. The cage is raised and boss man is hung to death.
1: I mean, to actual
0: death. They, they
2: witnessed the hanging in that, in that arena and everybody was scarred for life afterwards.
1: Also, it's, I just want to note real quick that the brood, um, this rich Pritchard pointed this out and, uh, you know, they unrigged themselves when they got onto the cage and professionals rigged them into there when they went descended. But before they ascended back afterwards, they put themselves in the rig, which is yeah. so not okay oh or allowed God. or like good practice uh, to like have them without any assistance or professionals just rig themselves back up before they're hoisted into the rafters. Just a uh, little note there. Yeah, uh, I mean uh, that'll be but, very but important like, in the ne- in the coming months.
2: Oh God, I'm sure. But like the the I think that get that note gets to the heart of what a fucking disaster this was there is nothing less cool than watching like three guys get lowered and take 2 minutes to unbuckle themselves and and unclasp and eventually then they have to like spend the time getting through the cage like everything was so like belabored and just not like not worth the squeeze. The juice was not worth the squeeze. Bobby,
0: do you know, are they doing Sting in WCW with this at
1: the right now? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I think they, they have been. I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm mostly sure. I, I can't confirm that myself personally, but I would think so.
0: If they okay. haven't, it's within the next, like, two months that they start doing that. For They've sure. got to be doing it already. Yeah.
1: I'm, 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 I'm almost positive this mm-hmm. is Sting's been
0: happening. And then when they're lifting the brood up, did it seem like Edge was just kind of floating there? And like oh, his Edge definitely was... got stuck. <laughs> oh, definitely was stuck. For sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's funny.
1: Oh, God. So, it, 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 it was like a spinal tap moment. And you notice that, like, you could see the boss man start to spin. And if he spins, you can see how, like, the rig on his back. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yes. Well,
0: because, spoiler, he was not actually hung.
1: Yeah, he's back wrestling the next day, on Raw. I'm pretty sure.
2: Weird. Oh my god, hearing Michael Cole go, is this is this symbolic? Is this <laughs> no. symbolic?
1: No, it's like, extremely no, this is the literal. the most literal thing. <laughs> I had that in mind too. I But no, very literal. Is this symbolic? Like what?
2: Uh okay. <laughs> it sucked. Well,
0: I well, think that this is shall we? well. <laughs> I think we need to uh, now go back to the night before WrestleMania for the WrestleMania Rage Party. Wow, wow, wow. Um, I I loved it from the very start. So you can find all this on YouTube. It's about 45 minutes long. Just type in WrestleMania 15 Rage Party. And from the very start where it's got like the block rocking beats with just rage, rage, rage. I'm yes. pretty sure whatever that was it was on the Spawn soundtrack. Ugh.
2: They also they also just like kept the Deadly Game skull. Like they were <laughs> like, "Well,
0: we paid so much for this. Let's just bring it in." The corporation comes out and Bobby you talk about uh appropriation of Italian American
1: culture. They're just like
0: dressed in the height of Guido as they come in.
1: It basically is like that someone was like casting The Sopranos and was like, "Okay, we have this. Uh, this is the rejected wardrobe for the series <laughs> pilot we're, we're shooting now, so uh, you guys can feel free and take what you want from the box." <laughs> just
0: rummage. except for you, Kane. You have to just be Kane. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. But loosen up, Kane. Loosen up. That was you're at a party. Loosen that up. That was the funniest thing, though. That was like legitimately good and funny. Later on in the rage party, Vince McMahon is berating Kane to loosen up because he's at a party. And it was legitimately funny to me.
1: I also, there was a, you know, a sort of through line of the evening of the Rage Party of Patterson and Briscoe not being able to get into the arena and then having to leave the arena and get back into the arena, which honestly, I enjoyed. Despite not enjoying anything about it, if I had to single anything out, I found overall Forest for the Trees enjoying it a lot.
0: Oh, I can single out one moment from that that I loved when Briscoe says, What are you doing? My name is Barbara. (laughs)
2: <laughs> i like when they're trying to get into the limo and uh briscoe's just like well we should just give up and he hands he crosses his hands like arrest me we we set off a car alarm please arrest us
1: uh it was fun i, I oh we have fun mm-hmm. um are we going in order should we start yelling at it are we, are we popcorning ideas here because i have just a few red well I, let's I, I, start, watching this let's start, like i was on drugs let's start with the first musical. i also was on drugs when i watched it sorry <laughs>
0: Let's start with the first musical performance from Isaac Hayes, who, uh, you know, classic Oscar winning composer Isaac Hayes being forced to do chocolate salty balls for an audience of mouth
1: breathers. Wow. In Philadelphia, no less. Sorry,
2: (laughs) It was the dorkiest thing I've ever seen. How 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 uh, triumphant everybody seemed at getting this guy who is a real musician and to and
0: surrounded by real musicians like everyone on right, that stage right. is an incredibly talented session musician who's just forced to do yes. this pandering bullshit I'm
2: right really they're glad. doing this and everyone's like what's that
0: oh, no go ahead go ahead Oh, uh, it's just
2: because hey and just like and they're all they're all they all look like they're trying to have fun but like oh my god and like and and isaac hayes is literally holding up the lyrics so he can read it because he he probably just recorded that song for South Park and then immediately forgot it.
1: I am so glad what you guys are say, Bobby? I'm so glad you guys are not into this cuz I was like really worried because Nathan of all people is sort of like a a South Park apologist or a South Park something that's funny. he was like oh this is actually really funny and I was like I never I I, I I've seen the South Park movie And I've seen bits and pieces of South Park, but I've never really watched South Park. I don't, and I've heard, I understand when it's good, it's very good. And when I understand, I get it, but it just, I, I, I don't, it never speaks to me. And so I was like not enjoying this at all. Uh, while it was happening it also felt like it was Embarrassing and, and, and bass and Shitty and I'm, I was a little worried you guys were going To be like actually it's a commentary on uh, blah, blah, blah. Like and South Park was skewering The uh blah blah, blah blah so I'm glad that Nope it was just bad and my instincts were right <laughs>
0: I've seen I've seen you know, every episode Of South Park I think I've said this this On, on the show before yeah even, we've even,
1: had this we've had The South Park talk even until this.
0: now and yeah. I Think that that like the, the Suck on my chocolate salty balls was funny And kind of subversive when they did it As a song on the show once, But then it just kind of got run into the ground by the pop culture mill of 1999. So by the time that it's here, the joke has lost all effect. And so the idea of this very serious performer having to, to do this is, is just a bummer.
2: Yeah. It's just, it's like the, the way that the, that WWF has like just fully embraced South park. It's amazing to me. That none of this shit rubbed off on South Park, like the the lameness of it. You know what I mean? That somehow like like we can we can look at how WWF is like problematic and has and is just so of the time. And the fact that and like we, we don't like look at South Park and be like, look at all this bullshit that like that they embraced that they were like that they love the all of the all the quoting of Eric Cartman and all this other shit. Like somehow South Park kind of got off scot free in that respect. Like nobody ever calls South Park like corny, you know. Well South Park you know what's interesting?
0: evolved too into being more yes. of a it started off as a show just kind of like about pushing buttons and and, and evolved into sometimes having some really acute satire,
1: sometimes being completely tone deaf. Well, I think it's interesting too, from the WWF perspective of like, they're so seizing on pop culture in a way that I think, I, I almost felt like it showed how far pop culture had come because what would be the equivalent of WWE doing that today? It'd be like, what, Abby and Alana showing up on WWE? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a certain amount, like, WWE today can never grab never touches pop culture the same way it was in
0: 1999 well that's because it, it it
1: can't yeah because in 1999 pop culture was like six things and it was bad yeah, and it they're... was limp Bizkit, and it was like it, it made me it, i think it says the most more so than about wwf i think it says more about the pop culture of 1999 and just how fucking gross and toxic and nasty and horrible it was mm-hmm. um that even that doesn't doesn't uh, explain or justify the WWF being horrible at the same time being like well look at how horrible everything was but it did make me be like wow yeah no that that's because this is what was popular in pop culture yeah. but then even Isaac Hayes
0: second song or the, the second part of his set was just doing the instrumental from the theme to shaft yeah basically
2: I mean he was just doing the I don't even know if he was even playing it I think they may have just been
0: piping it in I'm not sure um and no segue here or anything, but um all of draws's hats should be illegal.
1: Oh okay. Well, there goes my slammy. There's <laughs> guys. The slammys this episode are canceled. We're canceling the slammys. They're done. Oh, no no slammys. Rider strike. Oh, no slammys. <laughs> oh yeah. Horrible. Horrible. I was like, wow. I, I get. I didn't know Draws', uh new gimmick was going to be uh, pickup artist. Was sort of was. <laughs> <laughs> Where I was going? What's he pushing now? You know what I mean? Fuck. Uh, Rock comes out, does a whole bunch of Rudy poos, hits on all all the all the notes there. Um, plays the crowd like a fucking fiddle. Yep. So I mean, like again, it's a lot of the same notes, but he's playing some jazz with them. I don't know. He's like doing like when he starts to tee them up, and he's like, it's not a sing along with the jazz. It's like, man, it's, they just fucking he just played those fucking idiots like like a fiddle. It was great. Yeah, and then speaking of idiots, Dweezil and
0: Ahmed Zappa, who I forgot were having kind of a moment back then in 1999, oh went back into Sable's dressing room to. What was the name of their show? Fuck, I didn't write it down. Happy hour. Happy hour. Happy hour. Yeah. And then she says, "Okay," and then they they leave happy. And then she goes, "I was gonna say okay. I've heard enough. Get
1: out of here." God, What's everything about that again sable can't act her way out of a paper bag horrible 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 also were they were dweezil and amet having a moment or is it just because we watched raw and were young and saw commercials for the u all the shows in the usa network thought like for example would we be convinced that psych was a huge hit and like royal pains was like a beloved <laughs> series because it's like the only thing you know we were dumb idiots and this was our only insight i did think about that i was like were they really a thing or was that something that you know felt specific because of this uh cinematic usa universe i was a part of at this time i'll never they know. were
2: kind of being shoved down our throats in a few different places i never watched usa but i i knew about you know uh dweezil and and uh ahmet but From like where yeah they where were just else? kind of showing up yeah. in places where
1: they're just a, they're <laughs> like
2: mtv movie
1: awards and okay, shit like okay. that i was like where else would i i i only saw them in 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 uh, uh surrounded by wrestling you know what i mean so like I, that's why i was like where else were they that were they a thing or is it like a an illusion yeah they're one of like the early
0: examples of the modern fail son yes what did you guys think of uh, of mick foley
2: I mean, this was, to me, this was his Punderdome, like, submission, right? (laughs) Like, he was, it was just, it was just basically all setting up, like, riffs on Pimpin' Ain't Easy. And he just wanted, like, it it was dad jokes, but you know what? Uh, You gotta love the guy.
1: It felt on brand. And I'm just glad to see him have a good time. You know what I mean? Feel like a rock star, WrestleMania weekend, rage party. Considering it's, like, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's all about, Austin and The Rock, and then to also have a little piece of that pie, I think, was nice.
2: You might also say that there was another big pun in there, and that was <laughs> McFoley.
1: Oh man! Um, fun fact about Big Pun: apparently, uh they, he needed like extra help from a forklift to do the stairs because he was such a large man. The dude is fucking huge, and that song is still a bop. It rules. Yeah. Even I was and I was like, "Man!" But also, I was like, "Wow, that man looks very unhealthy and not long for this world." Mm-hmm. And then, just you just see Fat Joe as like a member of his entourage, like not getting any kind of play. Was this? Before, I I didn't write all my notes down like in order for mm-hmm. this, or kind of all over the place. So I might be jumping around in this. But the the two things that stood out with me one was the extended sable dance sequence that was yes. truly it went on for fucking. <laughs> Ever and it was so bad, and she's like dancing just like in an area of concrete, like nothing made any sense, and like why the camera won't she's like, sorry, once I get started, I can't stop or like somebody intervene then because this has to be stopped she we it, also she's also keep...
2: dancing that way to the shaft music she really do we have to leads
0: keep filming you she really leads with her belly when she thinks she's being sexy, like like wow. sexy is is about like getting the belly out as far as you can from everything
1: else it's like yeah, so- it's
2: a uh, uterus first
1: <laughs> it's like someone dared her to be like i bet you can't uh pat your head and rub your tummy at the same time and then she did it <laughs> while dancing and then she won't stop doing it increasingly quickly it's very the the, the wit, it's all very strange and then there was also the scene with deborah that got like did you uh, this for me honestly was not even a joke like very uncomfortable Oh. oh, you finds... got thoroughbred
2: legs? Well, thoroughbred yes. thighs.
1: Yes, and then Shane's like, let's dance. And then starts basically dry humping her. And then the entire Main Street posse at once starts group dry humping Deborah in a way that I was like, this is a This it is not really... the first
0: time that the Main Street posse has done that to a woman either.
1: Oh God, it was like honestly very hard. I was like, this is uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable watching it. That's how I was like, yikes, because yikes, yikes. And then Briscoe and Patterson
0: finally make it in and Vince sends them to the limo to get his briefcase for, I don't know, party documents. Yeah, it, it, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, there was also
2: one other part where I thought it was really funny. Godfather is like, I've got two other hoes coming. They look just like this. And I'm like, you're just pointing to two women. What are they like? Do you have like the one half of two twins? Like what does ju- they look just like this mean? Because he repeats it like this is a an instruction that will be very helpful.
1: They look like prostitutes. You know what a prostitute looks like, like this.
0: <laughs> and then they get Val Venus to bring out the cherry pop and daddies, and him saying the name just lets everybody know exactly how gross that fucking name is. Yeah.
2: No, well, he 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 says he has something
0: in common with them. Yeah, that they take virginity, that they are fathers who take virginity.
1: But also, man, just looking at him, I've never seen a collection of less fuckable dudes in my entire life. <laughs> That's why they had what to the learn fuck? to play swing music. She is there more of a cheese dick genre of music than fucking? Uh, gee, the whole thing was bad. Wow, I was watching it. The whole performance was, and and we had just seen Big Bad Voodoo Daddies at the halftime show not too long ago um and yeah. this you know is is swing's other dad which i think is very progressive uh the <laughs> cherry poppin and daddies and they were both and also is this song about cucks basically like is that zeta is that what we're talking about or he's like that's why your zeta's come to me for love zeta's ladies come to me for love i'm like what first of all no one goes to you for uh-uh. love. it's what is that song about i don't know i don't
2: understand any of it i there was something about a sailor. I don't know. I, I did notice that nobody in the crowd was swing dancing. It was super weird that they're just like standing there and watching this. Yikes. Also, the guy, also he scats. Like if there was ever a crowd that is not going to get along with your scatting, <laughs> it is this
0: crowd. Except for the Mean Street Posse, but that's a different kind of scat. Ugh. <laughs> did the Cherry Pop and Daddies play out the Undertaker? They played him in. Yeah. Yeah, did they? Or, yeah. That was them playing yes, they were like... playing the Undertaker's theme on electric guitars. That was a thing that I saw. <laughs> I believe so. so. Then the Undertaker's evil gibberish really doesn't fit with the whole party vibe that they've got going on. It's like I will take her well, I will take her by the hand and we will jump jive and wail. Is, is Undertaker going to fuck Stephanie? Is that what's going on? So in the weeks leading up, he's been taunting Vince. Um, we haven't gotten any word as far as who she is that he's after, but he's gone to Vince's house. He gave Vince a teddy bear. Um, he's, and so the, the, the uh, Undertaker's mind games is that he's going after someone in
1: Vince's family, but we don't know who. Stephanie is a is a not an on-screen character at all at this point so we I remember as a viewer not like really understanding like that McMahon has a daughter and that's clearly who he's talking about because she was not an on-screen presence right so maybe it's Linda I don't know coming soon yeah we'll we'll find out shortly
2: one last thing I want to say about this section um is Like you know, you get a. I think you got a lot a a taster, like a sampler of of all the different talents in in uh, in WWF, right? You've got you know Mick coming out being like a a goofball. You've got uh, Stone Cold coming out and just saying, "Let me get a hell yeah," and like all this, you know, it's like everybody's doing their greatest hits. And I realized that like Degeneration X, like if you just showed somebody the degeneration x like segment of the of the rage party uh absent of any context of like of of the rest of what we've been watching they would just be like what the fuck is this because i, I came to realize that like it's more like degeneration tk because like all they do when they come out is like they just do their entrances, and there's no promo to back it up. It's like they've set the table, and then they walk away from the table. They don't deliver anything. Like when you know, with Rock, you've got like, "This is my promo," and Jabroni, and and all of this shit. And then, and like what you get with like when Triple H talks, it's like for the million. No, uh, uh, for the for the thousands here and the millions at home. So he's doing his his entrance. Yeah, and then. Even even Road Dogg, who is fire on the mic, he's just doing his entrance for this. Like it's essentially a pep rally, right? Yeah, this is it, the WrestleMania it's, pep it's, rally.
0: It's just the. I guess they want to get DX out there, but all they have time for is they don't have time for every DX to to talk about their motivation or, or kind of talk about the match, just because there's not a, a direct flow to it. So just their, the greatest right. hits of their of their catchphrases without any direction towards any or any animosity towards any of the other wrestlers is a little bit weird. Exactly.
2: Yeah, Billy Gunn's just like, and this is the part you've all been waiting for. You get to say suck it. And I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> like, And that was it. It was just like jumping around, doing
0: the X chop, and, and then just doing your entrances, and that's it. Yeah, that's their free bird. And then it just ends with a super generic Austin promos. So I think a lot of the the, the more fun stuff happens earlier in the time. We're getting really close now to the main event. Um, Jim Ross is called back out to the announce booth. And there's a lot going on with Jim Ross right now. So JR has made his return and it's in the vein of the heel JR that we saw when he introduced um Fake Razor and face, Fake Diesel as well as that went over. Uh first he gets mad at Bart Gunn for kind of like um for I guess taking out Dr. Death and then Dr. Death is kind of at his side. He's he's doing like a pirate thing. There's one episode of Raw where JR actually builds a an announce desk in front of the main announce desk um and as far as how he got the permits for that i have no idea it's bad it's
1: not compelling but the crowd is really behind jr so really what happened here obviously uh jr's been out because he's had the bell's palsy um and so he was not really a fit for commentary because obviously the bell's palsy one of the things it does is it affects your speech uh and also it affects like his stamina, like being able to, like the, it takes increased effort to sort of do that, especially the way that Jim Ross emotes and you know his style of commentary. So he was obviously desperate to be back on camera, desperate to be back at work, uh, doing what he loves. Um, after going through this really hard time, but at the same time, it didn't really make sense to put slot him back into commentary. So they decided to kind of relaunch him as a character sort of bit here. So he's able to like do, th- do some things on camera and kind of as a halfway point. They bring him in as a heel, as a chance to also bring back Dr. Death and reintroduce Dr. Death at the same time. The problem is the crowd just loves JR too much. So they just won't... It, they're so happy for him to be back that it doesn't really work to get heel heat. And then they just kind of give up on that. And so the, the idea is here now bringing him in just to do the main event, where he's able to have the stamina uh, to be able to do to call at least the big match. Um, and it was a huge moment to be able to get him there with back to with Lawler and everyone. Was, it was very emotional.
0: All right. Um, and then we get HBK's little WrestleMania moment where he tells Vince that you're not even wearing the right shirt. You cannot possibly be the referee for the main event. Shawn dressing like it's Miami and he's ni- it's 1986. Uh, but he's the only man who can appoint an official. So he's going to appoint his own official for the main event. And that main event is the two biggest stars in the company. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus the rock. This is fucking great. It's
1: what what we've all been waiting for. Mm -hmm. It's a trilogy. They will have go on to have more meetings like this. And and this might be the worst of the bunch, which really says something.
2: You think so? Yeah. I thought it was weird that they introduced the rock first. And then usually I I thought, usually the champ is the, the second one to be introduced, but obviously because, uh, Stone Cold gets the bigger pop. I guess they they went with having The Rock be there first, but it was a, it was just a weird, you know, it felt off because you know, I, I think you are used to having the champ kind of own the own the entrances.
0: Yeah, definitely. But with Austin, the way that he is right now, and you are right with the pop that he gets. Uh, one more little plug for um, a Raw match. We had The Rock and Paul White versus Stone Cold and Mankind on March fifteenth or 18th i can't read my handwriting here but um on free ass tv and it the idea that you can see the meetings of these guys on the regular is one of the real special things about going back to watch this era um i have like everything written down that happened in the match but i was just so excited to see everything that was going on
1: it was a great brawl and this is like i think a really great example of like an austin match of this time where it's just it's hard hitting it's fast it's it's more it's a lot more brawling than than wrestling uh but a a good time and i like i you know there's obviously a lot of shenanigans a lot of chicanery a lot of uh refs on refs on refs on refs uh but i think it all worked and it felt like a it felt like a fitting conclusion to a tale that's taken so many turns
2: yeah, I mean, I I, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought there was some bad editing at times. Uh, they, like, you know, when when uh, Austin's in a sleeper hold and they don't show his arm, you know, rising. Uh, I thought that was a weird way. Like, they focused on his face instead. Um, I thought, you know, I thought that was good. Honestly, the worst part of, of at this point, the worst part of any stone cold main event match is the seven minutes of celebration afterwards i i I can't stand it now Hmm.
1: same i also grew weary of that i'm also weary of it even when it was happening was weary
0: yeah it's way too long um but it's also the end of wrestlemania and i feel like that would have been like the extra attitude on an episode of raw you did have at the end Vince right. McMahon saying that's my belt and I'm sorry Vince a belt is something that holds up your pants that's a championship. <laughs> <laughs> um good spots in this one here um fucking uh that back body drop onto the lighting onto the rig. lighting rig.
1: God. Yes. That was awesome. It looked scarier than it was, I think, but still looked very scary. Yeah. Um
0: chair shots in here uh multiple refs getting knocked out leading into the mankind return that i thought was set up really well this is just a good good match i would say second out of the three bobby but i know what you mean that this this is still kind of ramping up this uh this rivalry they'll
1: they'll do more even more yeah this is so good Mm -hmm.
0: well cool Anyone else have anything else to say I don't know, man. We said we,
2: we not only said everything, but we also took each other's uh <laughs> each other's slammies.
0: Well, we'll see what we come up with anyway. One more thing to do, for years WWE hosted a yearly award show called the Slammy Awards, and we end each episode of Hell in a Cell phone with our own version of the slammies in a segment we call for your reconsideration. Um well, <laughs> I'll go, I'll go first. I'm going to go with uh, the the How do you get over their award to The Rock? Because this is, I think, the first time we really see The Rock sell a Stone Cold Stunner. And it's the best selling of a Stone Cold Stunner out of any superstar out there.
2: Yeah, Uh, I'm glad I didn't bring that up, too. I thought about it. I was like, wow, he's really flipping. But yeah,
1: that's good. I'll take one. I think it's I'm going to call this the Portmanteau Award, Portmanteau Award. Um and I'm giving it to who I am now dubbing Billy Bob Holly Thornton because I think with his haircut like this and his teeth, Bob Holly reminds me of Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> <laughs> Not my best work, okay? But it's my no. second. It's, um, it's on the fly. Yes, on the fly. All, all right. No we're bad doing... to brainstorm. Listen, I don't do improv, <laughs> <Yeah>. okay? <laughs>
2: uh i guess uh, yeah again this is truly a once in a lifetime thing where we all stepped on each other's but we didn't all have each other's we just all stepped on it uh i guess i'll i'll give the uh skimpin ain't easy award to mick foley for uh you know not being able he just he dined out on all of those puns he he couldn't he couldn't help himself
0: Love us. Disagree. Want to hang us from the ceiling? Let us know. Email us at helenacellphone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at CellPod or tweet at us individually. Eric at PrimeSilver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at SlowPass. Our theme song is There Are Traitors in Our Myths by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to do things a little bit differently and take a few weeks to kind of dive into some of the topics that we miss. So look for those coming up, and we'll be back again in a few weeks with Backlash 1999.